Okay, it got the right temperature that time. Um, I'm going to try to make one microphone adjustment and then not touch it throughout the rest of the video because I've realized that I've gained a habit of moving it around continuously and it keeps making bad noises and I want to stop doing that because it get, makes more work for me to edit in the future. So give me a sec. I'm going to adjust it the once. Ah, it's so difficult. Okay, it's so difficult to figure out how to how to actually put a microphone right in the right space, even though I can completely hear myself through through this. I can also, well, I can also hear myself through my jawbone and like how people hear themselves and all that jazz. Shit, this, mm, okay, one sec. Maybe? No, that doesn't work. So the other problem is that the, this thing is in the way of my light, and I want to keep my light there because that's the way that my videos are shot, and it, it gets in the way. And I can't, I can't put it up like this because the thing goes like that. So I have to spin it all the way around and go like, shoot. Shoot. I might have to just like do some, some hard changes to, I, I might have to undo this again and flip it on the other side so that it, it acts here. I think it'll be okay. It'll be okay for now. I might just end up moving it around all day today as well. Oh no. Okay, regardless, I have I have a couple things that I want to talk about today. Hi, welcome everyone. It's Friday. Thank God it's Friday. Um, I just uploaded Cyberpunk Edge Runners episode one, and great. I woke up this morning and was you know I wanted to get going, and so I uploaded it to BitChute, which is the last thing that I do, and uh, uh, just because it's a weird platform and it, it works weirdly, and I built the thumbnail for it, um, which took a while, and I think it turned out really well. I immediately got a bunch of compliments on the thumbnail, and that's a, a, a good indicator that I, I made a thing that's cool, because I was like, I, I actually, um, so I, I cut myself out of images, and that takes me scanning through the entire episode, because I always take the image, I never, whenever I do a thumbnail, I never take the image from, um, I never take the image after the fact. Uh, uh, if you go through the video, you can always find the thumbnail as a, a real frame of the video, and that's an honest an honesty thing. There are a lot of people who make YouTube videos, and then they put the face that they think works for the video onto the video, and I don't do that. I, I choose a frame from the video every time, and sometimes that means that my face in the video looks pretty boring, because the best thing that I've got, or the thing that's most indicative of the way that I thought that the episode went, which is what I try to go for, like the most honest moment in the video is what I go for, and sometimes that's, hmm, <laughs> and that's all it is, is like, hmm, and, and it's not the most, um, most interesting thing to put on a, a thumbnail, but that's okay because it's honest, and that's better, I think. So I went through and I, I cut out three different of those. In fact, I can just pull it up, uh, actually, and show you some of it. So here, I'll just show you. I, I do, I use GIMP for this stuff. Let me, let me do a display capture or something. I guess I need, um, I guess I'll record two. Yeah, okay. So, um, this is my GIMP window at the moment. Um, make sure, I don't think there's anything that will dox me on my screen, just making sure. Great. Um, so, so this is, this is the, the thumbnail, and it's made up of these parts. So this is, this is the Cyberpunk logo, and I couldn't actually find a black and, and green Cyberpunk logo, so I took the, the actual Cyberpunk logo, and I just manipulated it so that all of the, the black parts became green and all the the green parts or black parts or the yellow parts became black and then the the green parts remained um unfortunately doing that made problems for in here because this just becomes one black block of text so i had to like cut that out separately and make it white and like switch it around i could have made it green too but i, I feel like it worked here 
So I had to, I had to fully like destroy and rebuild this logo to build my thumbnail. Um, I went and I looked for the cyberpunk font to really mirror this font and I found one and it works and it's great and it's really cool. Uh, unfortunately the cyberpunk font that I could find that doesn't cost any money because I'm actually broke right now. Um, um, I put some money into savings at the beginning of the month and that's why I'm broke. So I'm not broke. Just my money is less accessible is the way that I would put it. Uh, Patreon is doing quite well, I would say, actually. We're, we're well above a thousand sub uh, uh, Patreon subscribers and that's insane. Um, uh, it's insane. And I'm, I'm, I haven't been good to the Patreon people in the last few uh, uh, days or in the last couple of weeks because I've been changing some things and so they haven't been exactly getting the scheduled content that they want and there's been some conflict over that and it's reasonable and I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I, I really am. I am trying to be better as an, an overall thing and that means like I've made some sacrifices in places I shouldn't and some people and some shows have gotten the short end of the stick. Notably Gundam and Poon Poon, uh, less so Poon Poon, but notably Gundam and, and like Retro Monday Overdrive and the the Pro Mare stuff has gotten the serious short end of the stick and I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm trying to fix a whole bunch of myself at once and it I have so little time, it feels like in the day. Um and and in the last few days, so much of that time has been spent just moving my body and trying to put myself in a position that's that's able to stand up against the pain that I'm experiencing because I'm in, I'm still in quite a bit of pain um, in a couple of ways and I injured my knee uh, uh, at the gym the other day and it's it's fixable it's a part of a it's a muscular thing right and a tendon thing and it's not a tear um, but it's part of the whole process and it hurts a lot. Um, it hurts a lot, and I've been doing. I have to I've been doing hours of work every day to try and fix it. It hurts. And and yesterday I spent hours and hours editing because um, I had so many things to edit and 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 render and and upload. Um, and I'm I'm overloading myself with the daily brews, and it's too much work for me as I am now. And so the the issue is that I'm trying to change so that I'm capable of continuously accomplishing this quantity and quality of work at a, a level and, and we'll find out how impossible that is just like we did with treasure hunt where I ran it for a while and it was really cool but it, it couldn't last right some some elements of what I'm trying to do aren't going to last but I'm trying to fail quickly okay I'm trying to get to failure and see where those failures are and thank you to the people in the comments who are pointing out my failures and who are asking for Gundam and even the people who god I fucking hate you who are being really snarky about it or real assholes about it and, and that's how it ends up because I understand that they're hurting and and, and that I'm hurting them because they're like, well, I guess you just don't care about this show anymore. It's like, that's not the case. I care about the, the thing is that I care about the show enough that I'm spending the time to consider how to step into it again. That's that's what's going on. It's that it's too. I'm trying to break the problem, the big problems that I have down into small enough problems that I can manage them. And it's the hardest thing that I've ever done. The, hard, the hardest thing that I ever did, I did a couple of weeks ago where I really opened up the floor in my Discord to some criticism, and, it, and I took it all, and I sat there, and I apologized and apologized and apologized as everyone it felt like. It wasn't that this way, but it felt like everyone came at me, and I, it, you know, I opened myself to it, and I let them come. And a lot was said, and a lot of it was necessary, and I really appreciate the people who did it in good faith. And I even appreciate the people who just expressed themselves as best as they could, because that's as, as good as you can get, and that's all I can do, right? And so that's all I could ask from you. But um, I, I'm, I'm seriously sorry for the things that are not working right. 
please continue pointing them out to me. I'm sorry if I respond to you in in a defensive manner. I'm naturally that way because I'm a human, um, and I'm trying to do my best. Like, really, really, truly trying to do my best. And, and my best might not be aligned with the goal of getting out uh, a, a particular schedule of video every day. Does that make sense? Like, the best content that I could create and the best flow of content that I could create might not be the schedule that I was working with before. And it, it might not be anything like it. And it might be totally different. I'm reading... I've owned this book for a long time. And I it's so funny that I went and I bought this book and I sort of put it at the bottom of my pile and I was like... Well, this is interesting, but it's not that interesting. I I don't I'll put this aside, right? But I wanted to take a, a break because I recognize that I've been going too hard on one line of thinking, which is the maps of meaning thinking. And again, I have um 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 the Communist Manif- Manifesto and the Marx Engels reader and some some different theologies, some different theories coming at me, coming to me soon, and I'll be reading those a bunch too, so that I can get off of the one train of thought that's just one train of thought, and do practice what I preach in terms of expanding my consciousness outward and experiencing fully the ideas of other people and trying to grapple with them in a, in a serious way, right? Because because otherwise I'll just go and pursue the books that I want. And it's it's really tough, actually. I realized this quite quickly. After buying a couple of, of uh, uh, self-help books, and specifically the Maps of Meaning book, and also um, um, a couple of books, The Whole Brain Child, uh, uh, for, for my friend and for other, other people in the house, um, Amazon started recommending me very specific types of books on a very specific lean. And so I had to do some active searching to get political books recommended to me that were of a different bent, because it did start... And this is crazy because because like the associations between between JP and conservatism are there and real. And like, I'm not denying that those associations exist. Um, I just don't think that they have much relevance to the ideas in Maps of Meaning as a book um, um, or the, the the lectures on psychology and Jungian, Jungian psychology and like some fundamentals about mythologies. I don't think that they're relevant, but but those associations do exist. And one thing that proves that those associations do exist is that if you buy one book, it starts recommending you books in a certain line of thinking. And that certain line of thinking starts veering conservative pretty quickly. And that was really interesting to discover because you can start spiraling down a rabbit hole if you're not aware that the rabbit hole exists. And it's true and fair to say that someone like like Peterson is a gateway into that rabbit hole. He's a gateway into a lot of things, or his ideas are gateways into a lot of things, but he's definitely a gateway into that rabbit hole, and that's scary. So I had to go and seek out all the other rabbit holes and start looking for, again, like like putting in a purchase for, for some socialist-based based socialist texts, and now my recommendations are a little bit more imbalanced, and I'm in a little bit less of an echo chamber. And more importantly, as I've talked about the things that I want to read and the things that are important to read and the, the stuff like that, I've been getting comments of people recommending me books. As I've been recommending books to the, 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 the collective, the collective has started recommending books back to me and being like, well, you seem to be interested in, it, it just got one today, you seem to be really interested in these myth logical stories and like and and some young and stuff well you should read northrop fry because he took that stuff into the next century and and is one of the great thinkers and it's like well type that into amazon put the book in my cart and i'm like well i'm waiting to get money i'm waiting to get some money at the beginning of the month so that i can buy books so that i can buy some ideas man and i i actually i started putting books into my amazon cart and i ended up with a thousand dollars of paperbacks in my amazon cart over a thousand dollars and one of the hardest things that i've ever done i should have recorded it was going through those thousand dollars of books and just save for latering all the ones that i can't read immediately because you can only read really one book at a time maybe two Uh, i mean not of course like one at a time but like 
you can take a break from one book and read another book and, and read a bit of it. And that's what I'm doing with this book, which is Creativity, Creativity Inc. This is by the um, this is by Ed Catmull, the president and uh, co-founder of Pixar Animation. And this is a book on how to build a creative industry where people can thrive. And the first, I'll just tell you, I'm just going to read some things to you. These are on just the, the inside cover. So one of the things that you can tell about a good book is that they put the best information at the front because they're not trying to get you just to waste all your time reading their good book. You know, the same thing is true about a YouTube video. You can tell really quickly if it's a good YouTube video, if the person is like explicit about what they're going to do and starts getting to it immediately versus if they spend like, like five minutes not getting to it. Right. And the point only comes later. Now, uh, that's a little bit of a criticism of my own videos because sometimes a little I'm a little rambly in the the pre-discussion, but the pre-discussion is immediately what we're here to do, right? It's where did we come from? Where's our grounding? Now we're moving into the thing, and then we're going to do the thing that we're really here for, which is discussing the thing, talking about the thing, and, and also watching it and reacting to it and experiencing it, right? But so I I try to get right into it as fast as I can and, and not babble about nothing. At least babble about things that are useful. Because every time I turn on the camera, I'm going to babble. Because I come into this with like a chaos of ideas. And it's the process of starting to speak that that cor cor corrects my ideas and brings them together. Um, but but I'm going to babble at the beginning. And, and the goal is to not babble about nothing. I'm going to eat an apple. Oh. But it's a little bit later. And so I already had my, my protein and stuff. And I'm getting hungry again. So I'm going to have a, a bit of a snack throughout this video. And I'll try not to talk while I'm eating. Oh, you can tell a good book by the thing. And let's get back to that. I'm just going to read out the, uh, uh, this is the essential ingredients in that movie's success, Toy Story, and in the 13 movies that followed, and more since this book has been published, was the unique environment that Catmull and his colleagues built at Pixar based on philosophies that protect the creative process and defy convention, such as give a good idea to, medi to a mediocre team and they will screw it up, but give a mediocre idea to a great team and they will either fix it or come up with something better. What a, what a truth, right? Like... So here's here's an idea. Kyoto Animation is a pretty good team, I think. They've taken some pretty mediocre anime or manga. Kaon as a, a like short um um you know it's it's good and it's compelling, but it's a four coma manga with like little gags and stuff, and it's it's not that compelling, and they turned it into a masterpiece as far as I'm concerned of of simplicity in Kaon. That's a good team taking a mediocre idea and improving. It's like sometimes you read a thing and it clicks a bunch of things that you know about an industry or about a, a profession or about an idea or about a whole space into being. And I read that. I was like, that clicks, right? That clicks. And that's the iterative process that seems to be behind all of the good teams in anime and animation. And it's almost you can you can tell that it's inherent to the best animators and and leaders that they organize teams like that imaishi's teams are like that imaishi's teams are like that they're like that trigger is like that kyoto animation is like that is like that masaaki yuasa is like that constantly iterating constantly trying new things right like ping pong they tried all this weird computer animation to do these warps and in, in the flow of the animation and it's weird and it's awesome and he's constantly pushing these boundaries and experimenting with what can be really represented. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. Great teams. And great teams have, have great leadership. Not just single leaders, but leadership. The way that they're structured. The way that they work together. And what if, here's an idea. What if we could make our entire society a good team? You know, like fractaling down with little teams of people working on different things. And but we're all organized towards some Unitarian goal. And maybe that goal is reduce suffering. 
a little bit, just a teeny bit for like everybody. And what if we were all aligned toward that goal and all working in our, you know, what if the pharmaceutical company's goal was not to generate profit, but to reduce suffering? What if the goal of all of the doctors and the health insurance companies was not to generate profit, but was to reduce suffering? What if the goal of all of our, our fundamental resource companies um, um, and the, the real estate industry and the water industry and the electrical industry was to reduce suffering? What if, what if we were just the, the, the perspective was shifted so that profit was still a necessary part of the equation so that all the people working in those industries who deserve to be paid for their labor would get paid effectively for their labor. But the whole goal was to reduce suffering. And that means reducing the suffering for all the people who are employed by the company and for all the people who are served by the company and making the service that the company provides something that as far as we can tell reduces suffering and doesn't cause more suffering than it 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 ameliorates. For example, you know, opioids reduce pain, Liter literally, right? Opia opiate drugs are pain reducers, and that's what they're given out as. But they cause more pain overall broadly than they seem to be relieving. And so we need to really restrict the way that we're giving out those pain reliefs so that it doesn't cause more pain than it solves because people get addicted to opioids and then they destroy their whole lives and it started because they hurt their foot and that thing could have been something that if they had been able to maybe manage the pain of having a hurt foot for long enough to fix their foot their whole life wouldn't have spiraled out of control because of the pain relief or relievers you know like like there's something to that if only the industries were actually aligned properly then we could use the magical and incredible wealth generating mechanisms of our our industries and our creativity and our our ability to manipulate and alter the world our bending our fire bending earth bending water bending air bending and and energy bending itself which is information bending to some extent it's idea bending is is energy bending in the angian sense <laughs> the angian it sounds jungian angian in the angian sense it's energy bending um Maybe we could use as a collective, we could utilize that bending to do things that we can't even imagine. The way that Aang does these massive spiritual fights that we cannot even comprehend the the scale of, right? As he as he tears down evil authoritarianism into some extent and turns the world into something where the 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 aspects that cause direct harm and malice are removed, but the aspects that hold people together and keep societies running are bolstered. Like, what if we could do that? Well, we can, and that's what I'm doing, and that's what Ed Catmull did at Pixar. And when he did it at Pixar, they made movies, and those movies that they made were some of the highest grossing films of all time. And the films that were that were highest grossing of all time were grossing that way because they were interesting, they were, they were neat, and they told stories that resonated with people, and look at the stories that Pixar tells. Toy Story is a a story about figuring out your place in the world and and finding a way to fit right and and being usurped by another by the new and the new generation that's woody's story right and also seeking love in in the the romance that's there and and buzz seeking identity because he's got this identity as a superhero that isn't really his reality and a lot of kids get crushed by that realization because they go through school and life and they they hit 15 with the identity of of what their parents told them which is to some extent true it's you can do anything or what david martinez in cyberpunk's goes through it's like you're you're the hope of the future and he just gets punched and beat up and crushed and destroyed by the actuality of our corrupt and and chaotic and destructive and exploitative and fucked up world it's like well maybe it shouldn't be that way and and so the stories that were told in toy story and those other movies 
affected humans. Like, millions of humans have seen Toy Story. It's a fundamental myth. And, and everybody shows it to their kids, and they don't really understand why they're doing that, except that it is a kid's movie, and it's a pretty good one, and everybody has agreed that it won't cause your kid to become a murderer and that's probably good so maybe you could show them you could, could show them toy story and when you do what do they learn from toy story well they learn that the kid across the street who mangles things together without understanding that there's there are people there right and just takes these idea of toy and smashes them together is like evil and he's malicious and he's there are problems and you also learn about like friendships and you learn about the, the 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 complications between people who are fighting over some kind of respect or authority and there's this sort of brother situation between Woody and Buzz because they're both toys and they both want the respect of the kid and the love of the kid and one's new and one's old and they're, they're fighting over it and it's it's interesting so by organizing his company correctly in order to create good art they created good art, and the meaning of good art is art that has lessons that are applicable and useful for people. And good art for children is art that has lessons that are applicable and, and, and accessible and useful for young people, because young people don't have those lessons learned yet. And it's better if they can learn the lessons about friendship and brotherhood by watching Woody and Buzz struggle than by hurting their own friends through that conflict. So that if their subconscious realizes and recognizes the pattern of behavior emblematized by like Woody and Buzz fighting over the affections of somebody else, and then they see that pattern of behavior reflected in them as the older child and their new baby brother getting all the affection of their parents, they might be able to put that into a click and they might be able to say, maybe the things that worked for Woody and Buzz to solve this problem, like working together and, and fixing the problem and realizing that they care more about the overall family than they do about their individual power play is what kind of what they come to. And they, they unite to save all the toys, right? And to, to save themselves and to go with the moving van and all, all these things that happen in Toy Story. Well, well maybe if that worked for Woody and Buzz and the pattern is the same then that will work for me and my baby brother and we could have a, a compelling and good relationship and wouldn't that be cool if if it, I think it's it's self-evident that one family at least was affected positively by the existence of Toy Story and probably almost every family in existence in the United States that has seen the movie has been to some extent affected positively by Toy Story even just by the the neurochemical and, and and dopaminergic release of having watched a fun movie, right? And maybe having having watched a movie with your family. And maybe just the the fact that there's media that families can watch together is a good thing on its own. And maybe aiming to produce those in a company like Pixar is a good thing on its own. And so maybe all these things stack up on top of each other and maybe all it takes is one person with a correct goal to align a whole bunch of people in order to manifest that goal and then spread it across the entire world. What if? And what if I could do the same thing with you and you could do the same thing with everybody in your in your surrounding area and all of your family and you could work to figure out the patterns of behavior that solve the problems that underlie your existence?
because there are problems that underlie your existence. You're in constant conflict with yourself. You're in constant conflict with the world around you. You're in constant conflict with your family and your friends and the other and all other people. And and the world is embroiled in constant conflict. And if you look out your window, which is to say opening a, a media site or the news, you'll see the constant conflict. So it's like, well, is there a pattern of being that you could embody that would enable you to handle some of that conflict and maybe make some of it go away? And if so, would there be a little smidgen more peace? And if so, maybe would that validate your existence a little bit? Well, maybe. And I don't know, but uh, it seems better than the alternative of saying, nah, there's nothing worth trying to do. And so let's all let's all sit around and get jerked off by by uh, suction vacuum things. <sighs> oh, fuck, that tea is good. I got some new high quality Hibi Uji Gyokuro from Tea Lira. Um, and it's just so dark and green and delicious. And I put a little bit of the Moroccan mint in there to like spice it up a little bit. And so it's like, it's kind of like dark chocolate with a, a bit of peppermint where it's like dark and almost umami-ish and like, like literally dark in its flavor in the way that coffee is dark in its flavor or caramel is dark in its flavor versus sugar. The, this tea is dark in its flavor versus most green teas. It tastes, it's dark, it's umami. Um, and a little bit of lightness from the mint in there is like, ooh, there's a good contrast there. And it's also, I like mint. Mint wakes me up. I've switched completely, and we'll see how it affects my hair and whether my hair starts falling out or breaking. We'll see. I don't know. I, but my hair so far feels really supple and good. Um, I've switched completely from using, I was using a number of, of, of body products and like bath products. And I went and I looked at all the labels and I, any of them that had uh, uh, like parabens and, and shit or, or um, uh, uh, certain other, I just found a list of, of like organic pollution chemicals or things that work as um uh, uh are perceived as by your body as hormonal um as like building blocks of hormones i went and found a list of those and i just went through all my my bath and body products and i just tossed all of them and the one that came out of the wash was dr bronner's soap which is good soap and it's also it's also really interesting soap because all over the entire bottle of the soap of Dr. Bronner's is like religious ideology which is weird but it's all about unitariness and one being and like how we should all be one and and we're all one in being clean and and being clean is a part of being like close to things and I was thinking about that while I was tripping on acid and it's like that's true the individual is soap the individual is soap we go into a chaotic world where there's dirt, but there's also, we, we know that underneath the dirt somewhere, there's something that is, we don't know what it is, but we think that if we were to clean off the dirt, we would get it. And that's truth, right? It's, it's mu making music isn't building something out of nothing. It's carving away all the stuff that you think could be there to get to one note that is correct or one sequence that is correct, right? And being is the same way because you go into the world and you can do anything and that's not acceptable because that's, that means you can do nothing. You're overwhelmed. And so you have to align yourself and choose a specific thing. And once you choose a specific thing and you embody that individual who has choice and responsibility, you can, like soap, divide the world like scissors, like Ryuko Matoi, like scissors. You can divide the world into the things that are good and the things that are bad, essentially. Or, or more, the things that are chaos and don't matter toward your goals and the things that are aligned with what you're trying to accomplish so you're you're soap and you can clean your life up by by literally cleaning your life up because <laughs> because the the chaoses and messes that are a part of you because you are part chaos and you are part order you are a magical being of constant change that is in an ordered structure 
right? Your cells are dying and being reborn constantly to keep you as this thing that's constant throughout time uh, alive, even though you're changing throughout time constantly, but you fit this, this order and there are rules about your existence and things that like must be about you. So you're this, this entity of contradiction, you're changing chaos and, and you can decide through that change, like what parts of your chaotic being are worth cementing into order, which, which parts of what you're experimenting with work, you might say. So if you experiment with, with two things, you, you spend one week not setting an alarm and waking up whenever you want, and you spend one week setting an alarm at, at sunrise or whenever and waking up exactly then. And then you journal maybe, or you A-B test yourself and you figure out which one makes me better. And I, I don't know the answer to that. Currently, I've been going without alarm, and I've been waking up at sunrise or about there uh, an hour or so afterward. Weird. Um, seems to work for me. I feel better. I feel good. Which way of being makes me better? And you can experiment, right? So you're taking this thing that's in uncertainty. You're not sure which way of being makes you better. And then you do the experiment and you try both ways of being. And then you lock that thing in and you're like, well, it's this way. And now you don't ever have to worry about what your bedtime or your wake up time should be because you figured it out. It's you've gone from chaos to order. You've divided. You've split the two possibilities into the one that it, you've thrown away and the one that you've kept. The, you've, you've done the soap thing. You've scrubbed the dirt off of yourself and you're clean, right? And now your, your wake up routine is cleaner. Okay. So, so here's, here's the next thing that you try, right? Uh, uh, for a week, do whatever you drink coffee immediately upon waking up. And then for a week, drink cold water immediately upon waking up and delay your caffeine intake by 60 to 90 minutes and try both of them. And write down how you feel after a, a couple of hours and throughout the day and, and how you ended up waking up and how you feel your energy levels are throughout the day. And you'll find that one of them works better than the other. And I'll tell you which one it is because we've done the studies already. And this is the magic of science is that you can go and you can look and you can see what other people have done already. And because you follow an order, right, you're partly chaos, but you're also following the form of human, probably the things that work for thousands of other people that have been tested will most likely work for you. They might not because people are really weird. Like you can have a, a drug that in 99.99% of cases is perfectly useful and then 0.0001% of cases, it, it kills the person. Just like allergic reaction, they're dead because their, their fundamental geometries are different or something. Like there's something just different about them. They're neurochemically or, or chemically or biologically or intestinally different. And so shit but maybe things won't work for you but it's at least worth trying all the things that seem to work for a lot of people you know there's a, a pretty consistent thing where humans drink caffeine and it's like well maybe that works maybe you should figure out how it works and how to best utilize it because it seems to work and there's a pretty consistent thing with very productive people saying that they wake up at a certain time in the morning and maybe that that works and maybe it doesn't and maybe it doesn't work for you and maybe it's worth trying okay so so Drink water and uh, delay your caffeine. So then here's here's the next thing. Try standing out in the sunlight for 10 minutes every day for a week and then try not doing it for a week and see which time you're going to be better. And I'll tell you, if you stand out in the sunlight when you wake up for 10 minutes or so, you'll be awake and you you almost won't need the caffeine because you'll just be awake. And if you don't do it, you're probably going to fall back to sleep or at least have more of a tendency to do so. And it's going to take you a lot longer throughout the day to get to, to get from that state of groggy unbeing to a state of clear and focused and comprehensive being. 
Okay, so then what about what about like breakfast? Well, have a, a proteinaceous fatty meal, uh, uh, like some eggs with some cheese cooked in some oil, something like that. Uh, uh, some I, I mean, if you don't want animal products, some avocado toast is a pretty good fatty uh, 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 breakfast. I, I don't think it has enough protein in it. Um, I don't think avocado toast has enough protein in it. So like avocado toast with some some like a protein shake, like pea protein maybe, or or um, uh, uh, whey protein if you're if you're able to do animal products, which I am and I'm totally fine with. But I'm trying to think for everyone, right? Like what can anyone do? And and like peanut butter is really good. Good. peanut butter on toast is a really good breakfast that you can try maybe with with a banana um although i stay away from fruit and sugar in the morning because it spikes my insulin and makes me feel miserable very quickly and makes me hungrier faster so when i wake up in the morning i i drink cold water with electrolytes in it and it works and i go out and i've tested it and it works better than not doing it so i'm continuing to do it and if i find something that works better than it i'll start doing that but it, it works i've been waking up whenever i need to wake up seems to have worked so far it's going okay but you know we'll see and maybe i i should i a b test a, a locked in wake up time as well i think part of the issue is that i i need to treat my weekends like they're weekdays you know i work on the internet there's no reason that any day should be different from any other day except socially okay so like saturdays i'm gonna have to take off mostly because Saturdays are a social day and that's when my D&D happens and I should probably take Sundays off because they're a day of rest right but I shouldn't fuck my circadian rhythms by letting myself sleep in on Saturday and Sunday because every day I should be waking up with the sun because if I were a farmer for example I wouldn't get the option of sleeping in I'd wake up at the sun with the sun every time and and this is a known fact is that you if you if you uh uh it's sleep it's difference it's like it's like um I can find it on my sleep app. Hold on. Irregularity, sleep irregularity. So that's that's like how much your bedtime and your amount of sleep changes um day by day. And and what we know is that if your your sleep irregularity increases, your quality of life goes down in a lot of ways and your quality of sleep goes down, which is the same as your quality of life really because you need sleep and it needs to be good goddamn sleep. So when you, you when you do what uh, my roommate does, which is he wakes up at at five every morning during the week, and then he sleeps in till like eleven or or twelve on the weekends, and he's miserable. And if he only just woke up at like five every morning, he'd probably be better off. Um, but it's really hard to convince somebody to do that because they're like, "But I need the sleep." And it's like, "Well, yeah, you do, but you also need to stick to a schedule." And fundamentally, the schedule that you're on doesn't work. You're you're gonna die because you can't get your you have a child and so you can't get yourself to go to bed at 8 30 p.m and that's what you would need to get enough sleep in order to be like rested by five when you're waking up and that's not gonna happen so you can't keep waking up at five or you need to split your sleep cycle into a biphasic one and sleep for like two hours in the afternoon offset from your period of sleep and we know that that can kind of work for people but it doesn't work great so you could do that and you'll be getting like six hours max of sleep at night and then like two hours sleep or an hour and a half for one big REM cycle sleep in the middle of the afternoon and you might be able to survive maybe but um he was like I'm gonna wake up earlier and I'm gonna stay waking up earlier and I told him you're not gonna survive come talk to me in a month when you're miserable and immediately he's he's, he's declining and he's getting miserable and I'm I, I've told him a couple times I'm like you know he's been like man I'm really tired it's like I told you I, I told you you would be you're still not listening 
that's okay. You can keep doing this. I understand that you need to figure it out on your own, but this is not going to work. And I'm telling you that it's not going to work. And when you realize that it hasn't worked, come talk to me and we'll figure out something that'll work for you based on your restrictions. But, but this ain't it, my, my guy. And I, I love you, but this one, this one isn't going to work. So I'll let you, I love you enough to let you do it. Cause if I just, if I just force you or I, first off, I can't, you know, you're your own person. I can't force you to do the thing that'll work for you. But if I were to try to just force you, you'd just hate me for it. And even if you were to force yourself without understanding the, 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 the complications behind the other alternative, well, you wouldn't really learn. And so I'll let you, I'll let you go off into the abyss. And I think, you know, I'll expand that to that's a thing that every parent needs to do with their children. Because you can teach a child a bunch of stuff, but some of the things about life they just won't get, they will never get them. They'll never get them and you have to be able to let them go. And you can't be like, no, you're not going out at partying ever. It's like, no, you're going to have to go out and party and socialize and figure out the dangers of that situation. So you arm your kids. You don't, you don't confine them. You don't keep them in the castle. You arm them. You give them the sword that is soap that lets them divide the bullshit from the true stuff. And you give them some armor, which is like a way of being. That's that's like their clothing, right? Like kill a kill. It's like their clothing. It's their way of being and you let them be be honest but sturdy and like you teach them those things and then you go get out of here. Go. Go into the world and fight dragons, man. They're gonna they're gonna kill you and I'm terrified, right? And that's the that's the the mother waiting at home for her child to come home like fuck what's going on. And, you know, the kids out there getting in, in fights and competing and, and figuring things out and fighting over girls or fighting over guys and, and getting bullied and bullying. And all of these things are, some of them are bad and wrong and need to be systemically fixed. But it's like, you have to send your kid out into the world or they're never going to learn. And the same goes for, for any friend. Like, and the same goes for all of you. I can't make you wake up at a certain time and I can't make you go outside for 10 minutes. I can just con try to convince you that it's worth it because I'll tell you going outside for 10 minutes in the morning like as soon as I can and that for me that requires going downstairs so that means I have to get completely dressed which is a thing I have to organize myself I have to probably putter around my room for a moment I have to gather a couple of things um um maybe grab a book or whatever and then I have to actually go down down and go outside and that whole process and then the 10 minutes that I spend outside sort of like ah, uh have changed my existence for the entire day after that and then the next day after that and I can keep doing it and it keeps getting better so it's like all I can do is convince you that those 10 minutes are worth it and and they are and maybe they will be for you and that would be really cool and then eat something that's proteinaceous so you don't get starving before lunch right and so you don't don't snack too much or you don't find yourself craving stuff right um, and then delay your caffeine intake so that you're in, in balance with your adenosine and adrenal system and like at least wait to get your coffee in you until you're, until you're on the road or like until you're, you're out of the house or you're at work, right? It is a, a great way of doing it. I think is like, wake up as best you can drive as safely as you can. God, I don't like driving. I don't like cars. Um, I don't drive generally. I have a driver's license. Um, at this point, given my current income, if I needed to, I could afford a vehicle, uh, a lease, right? On a, an inexpensive vehicle or purchase a, like a beater, but that would be more expensive in the long term because of maintenance costs. But, but at this point, I could afford a vehicle and I desperately don't want to. It seems like the worst investment that I could make is to have a, a personal transport machine when I'm on the internet and I can transport myself anywhere in an instant. It's like, stupid if i if i want to go somewhere i'll get on a plane and go there right like we have the means and if i need to go somewhere somewhere i'll hire uh 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 essentially a taxi of somebody else who 
has a car via Uber or Lyft and they have their own problems and I get it. Or more accurately, if I want to go somewhere, I'll convince my friends that it's a place worth going because probably I don't really want to go there. I want to go there with somebody else and maybe they will want to go there too and maybe one of them who has a car will go there. You know, if it's like, hey, we should go to the store so that we can get milk and protein powder and 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 like fruit and stuff so that we can all make smoothies for ourselves so that we can eat well. And they're like, yeah, let's do that. I'm happy to drive you there because you buy the, the smoothie stuff and I've been buying the smoothie stuff for months. And it's like there's a trade there and that's fine, right? So I, I don't want a car and I don't need a car, but like if you have to drive, drive safe. So maybe don't drive until until later, until you've had your caffeine in you, and maybe we shouldn't be sending people to work at 5 a.m., and maybe that shouldn't be the way that it is, but maybe there are some services that need to be open at 5 a.m. <laughs> what the fuck do I know? It's just, it's complicated, but I, I'd like to convince you that there are some things and ways of being that will make you better and, like, make you feel less pain, because that's the big thing is, like, I find it really painful and upsetting, and this is a problem that I had in my life for a long time. I found it, found it really painful, upsetting that when I would go to sleep in, at night and I'd be like, I'm going to have a productive day tomorrow, and I'd wake up at 2 p.m. And I'd be like, fuck, my day is gone. And I, 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 f I felt like I was out of control of it. You know, I, I'd set an alarm for nine or something, and, and the person who wakes up is a part of me, is the sleepy, groggy part of me, and turns off the alarm and decides to go back to sleep is absolutely a part of me, and getting willpower and control over him is a, a, an issue. But willpower wasn't working, so a system needed to be put into place. And guess what? The system seems to work. And, and something about the way that I was trying to wake up wasn't correct. And so I needed to change it, and it's working. So that that feeling was pain to me because I wasn't being the way that I knew that I needed to be. I knew that I needed to be awake and ready, and, and I wanted that whole morning and part of that afternoon to live, and I wanted to have an eating schedule that was on time, and now I've only got like six hours to even eat the amount of food that I need, and that's not acceptable, and I've got assignments and essays to go and do, or like videos to make maybe, you know, and people are waiting for them, and at, uh, two hours ago, somebody was like, I wonder if Tiabu's going to upload today, and I see that, and it's like, fuck, I'm crushed crushed by my own ineptitude, right? By the failures of my systems and the failures of myself. That's pain, man. That's pain. That's, that's the friction of your being not being what it needs to be for you to be okay. Because you're not the way that you need to be for you to be okay, probably. Because nobody is, really. And if they look like they are, they're probably lying. Or they've figured some things out. And maybe they have. Maybe they haven't. Maybe they're worth at least observing to see if they're a liar. This is, this is the cyberpunk uh, thumbnail that I made. You can just see, I've got this layer, which is the meme layer, and I, I actually went and I cut out the, so this is a, a wallpaper that I found that I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, that's the one, man. Oops, that's the old Dragon Maid one that I use. I, I, I often will take a, a previous wallpaper because I've got the, the dimensions correct. This is exactly 640 wide uh, pixels, which is a particular ratio off of 1920, um, so there are reasons why my things are built the way that they are and structured in the way that they are. Um, oh, it's 660 for Dragon Maid? Okay, so I was wrong about it when I, when I made it for Dragon Maid, actually. That's interesting, because it should be 640 is the number that you should use as, as the correct number for, um, I think it's just one third, uh, uh, which makes it quite simple, but... 
it should be 640 so like right there so maybe i'll change the cyberpunk thumbnail as i go in i think it's pretty close anyway let me put the blind and the react back yeah it's it's close enough anyway and the the small letters line up anyway so i'm, I'm not super worried about that i think that's totally fine so so one third is the left side which is like the this is what this thing is in text and what we say about it and it is this thing um, and I'm gonna just for my own purposes I'm gonna drop these into a layer group so that I can see where they're at and I can just boop and put them all away and I'm gonna get rid of this because uh, it's actually just clutter so that's sort of like chaos that doesn't need to be needed um, this is just a whole wallpaper that I found uh, and I cut out the the actual bits of it so that I could because I threaded my I wanted to thread myself through um, through the thing and be in like behind the show but cutting across it and then um, uh, uh, the, well actually I had these down right uh, uh, the O1 above and then these down below is how I had it for a reason so I have my myself behind the show in front of react behind the number in front of blind so like weaving through and I thought that would end up being really cool and it creates sort of a feeling of the thing so it's really it's me in one third it's the show in one third and it's the the thing that I'm doing blind react episode one and what it is in in one third and then I'm cutting across it and pointing at something off screen that you can't see and smiling and that was the idea here it was like that's correct and I I had to come to that idea after um after having tried a couple of other ideas. So I, I, I had this one where it's just me screaming at something in the episode, which was good. And I actually cut this one out first because it was just me sort of pogging at the interesting thing. I was like, oh, okay, that's a good pog. And it's got me with the T and stuff. And I cut it out and I put it in and it doesn't look right. And it also, it cuts off the, the faces of the characters in a way that I didn't like. I could have put this over it and that would have probably worked okay. But I ended up going with this cutting across with the big diagonal and I feel like that is correct. I feel like that was the the right choice, I think. Um so let me before I before I save this dang thing, uh let me delete the stuff that I don't need and those are where they need to be. Turn this on again, turn this on again, turn this on again and there we go. Uh so then I'm going to save that and that is what that is. And so that's what I that's what I made. Um and it took a little while. And they usually do. I like to put a lot of effort into my thumbnails. Um, a long time ago, somebody said said something to me. They they is the, they sort of popped into my Discord. I think it was a, it was I don't remember who it was, but I think they're still a patron. And I st I think they're still a Discord member. But they they popped in and were like, so I saw the thumbnails for I think it was for Utana. It was for Revolutionary Girl Utana. It was like I saw those thumbnails and immediately I was like, okay, this guy's putting in some effort here, and I want to see what's going on. It was like you can tell a good reactor by how much effort they put in or how their thumbnail looks or or something like that and i was like yeah yeah true because it shows a little bit of a respect for the thing that we're doing here right like it's not just clickbait click clickbait is like i try to trick you by making you think that the video is something that it isn't and then you click on it and you're okay with it because you're okay with what the video is anyway. But you kind of wish it was the thing that was on the thumbnail. Well, what if the video is exactly what it shows on the thumbnail? It's me looking at the thing and and talking about it. <laughs> that's that's what it is. It's this. It's the and and it's this is the exact proportion of me that you see. And this is an actual frame of me in the video. And this isn't like actual art that represents the show as well as I could find art that represents the show. And everything else is is in a bit of balance, and there's a bit of harmony there, and you know that's that seems like a good thumbnail to me. And there's a reason that I try to make good thumbnails is because 
well, good thumbnails mean that people who are trying to find good content about a piece of content will click on my thumbnail, maybe. And and maybe they'll find, maybe they'll be disappointed, but I i don't think I've ever really been accused of clickbait, except for like once or twice where I've made intentionally jokey clickbait thumbnails as part of a, a parodic dis- exploration of what that would be like to go down that rabbit hole and, and, and how easy it is to make something stupid like that. And, I, and I've done that a couple of times. I mean, I, I did that a, a while ago on the, uh, the, the, frankly by me relatively poorly handled i think uh, a sort of trap trans thing that happened around lily or lily in zombieland saga because I, I i went i went off on that like pretty hard and i i stand by a lot of what i said in there but i i don't necessarily stand by the way that i went about it um because i because i went and i i found an enemy i found a person who was saying some things and i attacked him and i attacked his ideas instead of really focusing on the ideas and i think that i i just don't think that i was acting in perfectly good faith um um, uh, and and that's important. But the the thumbnail that I put up on that was like a a big clickbait thumbnail that was like ooh traps in my anime or it was something goofy and and stupid like that. And it, it worked to some extent. It got some some controversy going, which was what I intended. But controversy isn't what I want around a show like Cyberpunk Edgerunners. I want analysis and I want discussion and I want inference and I want I want. Uh, I want to treat it like an interesting piece of literature and when you look at an interesting piece of literature we bind it in a book binding that's representative of the fact that there are transcendent truths within it you know we bind it in leather one of the more uh uh to some extent rare and complicated materials and 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 materials that we have is leather is like the the hide treated and and carefully preserved and turned into something nearly permanent uh, of an animal that has spent its whole life to 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 produce this product and it's like well that's something that's important and maybe we by wrapping a thing that's important in leather maybe we're saying that it's important you know it's like i purchased this i purchased this tea thing and it was expensive and i could have been perfectly fine with a 30 dollar version of the tea thing okay i was for for years i used this one for years i still have it in my in my thing this thing was like 40 bucks and it's got it's got good settings and stuff but it's also it's also made of plastic and it's also it's not quite it's not the one. It's not the one. So I bought this one, and it's the one. It's got the exact the exact amount of water in it to fill this teapot exactly. It heats up really fast. The handle is immaculate. I've actually uh, had, had taken a habit of having people who, who I know understand craftsmanship come over and just pick this up while it's full of water. And they pick it up and they go... Mm, that's well balanced. Mm, that feels good. And the handle's made of walnut. And it's like it's like saying that, hey, maybe this thing is important. Maybe a tree that spent its whole life, you know, growing, we could shape a piece of the beautiful wood that is transcendent and beyond us, and we can't even manufacture anything even close to being as interesting and as safe and as, like, comfortable for us to hold and as, like, resonant for us to be around as this once-living thing that we have sublimated into this this entity. And it's steel, and it's got a really good texture on it, and it's got this this top that's like really well machined and the heating element is really well designed and manufactured and this thing cost five times more than $30 one it cost over $150 for this thing this is a fellow Corvo and I bought the real one because you can go and you can find a Chinese version that's like $45 and you can buy that one and it's probably great it's probably just fine but I wanted to pay for the actual design of the thing and I wanted to buy the one thing because I looked at all the designs of all of the electric kettles and I thought the thing that matters to me is the tea. 
and I want the things around my tea to represent that it matters to me. And I'm going to put this in my video. And I made the choice to put it in my video because previously I had kept them downstairs by the sink where it's more convenient. And every day now I grab the thing and I take it downstairs and I fill it with filtered water from the sink because I won't fill it from the bathroom sink because that, that water's not filtered and it tastes different and it's not quite right for you. And it's not quite good for you. And there are reasons that you should filter your water. Get one of the flip down water filters. They're, they're pretty cheap and they're really useful. Make sure that it's got activated charcoal in it and it will filter out a bunch of the stuff that's in our drinking water. Um... Um, and that's, that's a paranoid thing to say, but go look into what's in your drinking water and decide whether you want to drink filtered tap water or not. Because I think that if you start drinking filtered water very slightly in ways that you might not be conscious of, very slowly your life will improve. I, I think that's actually true. And I think if you care about yourself, and you should, and you should treat yourself like somebody that you care about, like treat your body as though you are a child that you are responsible for taking care of, and their parents are going to question you as soon as they get home about everything that you fed that person and everything that you did. And so when, when the parents come home, are you going to be able to say, uh, uh, no, I didn't eat a bunch of ice cream. We had a healthy meal, and we watched some some interesting stuff, and we talked about this, and we taught each other how to color, and we read a book, and we went to bed at a good time, and 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 uh, all things went well, right? That's what you want to be able to say to the parents that come home, and that's sort of a weird religious idea, but but if you imagine yourself as that kind of person, then treat yourself well. And if you were to to be like, no, I didn't, I didn't, you know, the the water filter is right there, and I decided it would be more convenient for me to feed your child unfiltered tap water the parents would give you a look and so you should be giving yourself a look about that it's like oh wait maybe i have the ability and the finances and the the ability to to buy a an inexpensive flip down water filter for my sink faucet let me let me go in and actively see what they cost wow okay so it's the cheapest one so far even amazing amazing okay uh uh i'm i'll recommend this um i have never used this product but i will i would buy this product okay if I didn't already have a water filtration system, because because my my roommates and landlords have a water filtration system, I would purchase this product, and so I will share it with you. Um, this is the the water drop certified drop down sink filter. Uh, uh, it's activated carbon as a filter. I'm just screenshotting it. Fuck, and it's twenty dollars and ninety nine cents off of Amazon, and um, the filters. You can get three of them for 35 bucks. They last up to nine months. So, you know, you end up paying about, you pay 30 bucks for the first, the first, um, first nine months or so. And then you end up paying a, a, a paltry sum of a few dollars a year, essentially. Seems worth it for safe water or safer water, right? Worth it. Get it. Do it. Okay. So that's a simple, that's a simple thing that you can do. Um, that everybody maybe should do, but but the idea was like I care about tea. Tea matters. I think tea is important. I think green tea, caffeine and theanine, is really useful, and also antioxidants and stuff. I think it changes the way people think, and I think that the Japanese have something down about tea that we don't get, and the 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 Chinese have something down about tea that we don't get, and I don't think even the British ever got it, even though they are obsessed with the tea, because they they blackened and oxidized the tea and removed all the L-theanine and most of the useful compounds from it in the process, and and that's not good. That's not that's not correct. So so if, I think if the British had uh, embraced green tea, they might be a calmer people, and we might be a calmer people, and that's weird, but I think it's true.
but T matters, and therefore the symbols that I use to represent my T matter. I should use a, a mug that I really like, and I really like these mugs. I'll tell you where I get them. <laughs> I got them off Amazon. I'll just share the thing with you, and, and I'm going to do this episode in the spirit of sharing a bunch of things. There are a number of companies that make these hand warmer mugs now. They, there didn't used to be. There didn't used to be. A lot of these are new. Whoa. That's the, that's the company. I purchased from Clay in Motion. I purchased from Clay in Motion the hand warmer mug. Um, I've got one that's quite like this. Uh, uh, the one that I've currently got is this one, I think. Brown on the inside, greenish blue on the outside. I've got four of them. I bought four of them. I bought them for the whole house, and I bought them for myself, and I bought them for everybody. Oh, yeah. I've got the, the purpley one right here. Um, these are awesome mugs. They're as big as a normal mug in terms of internal space, a little bit bigger actually. And well, they're they're hand warmer mugs. They've got a, a a handle that you can hold on the outside or on the inside and keep your hands warm. And they're really beautiful and they're nice ceramic. And so so buy a hand warmer mug. They're really cool. And maybe buy them from Clay and Motion, the original company, because because they're really cool and they seem to be the people who developed this design and it might be worth it to pay $30 instead of 15 for one of these hand warmer mugs just because they came up with it just because it's right how about just because the same impulse for you to pay as cheaply as possible is the impulse for a company to pay you as cheaply as possible it's the same impulse so put value and put money into the things that have value and maybe the system will put money into the people who have value how about that isn't that an, that's an interesting flip of a perspective so the same the same idea that makes you go to Amazon and sort by lowest price and you buy a thing and it's a piece of shit and you feel exploited about it is the same feeling that all of the people that, that the people who own the company that built the piece of shit product that's a lie to you that says I will do the job for you and then it doesn't because how many times do you buy a product off of Amazon that is like this will do the job and then it doesn't and it's a piece of garbage pretty often right especially if you don't know how to look for quality objects you know you buy buy tools off of of a chinese site and they're garbage go to harbor freight tools and buy any of the tools in there they'll work well enough but they're garbage the steel falls apart the screwdrivers bend and and their their heads twist off it's not they're not properly made then go to home depot and buy bosch or toshiba tools and 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 like or or um um I don't mean to single those out. There are a bunch of Hilti tools. Uh, there are a bunch of good companies that make good tools. And a lot of them are in, in Europe and a lot of them are in America. And some a lot of them are in Japan. And some of them are in China, but not as many. Not nearly as many are in China because the Chinese manufacturing processes are more exploitative as far as I can tell. And they treat their laborers with less respect as far as I can tell. And there are less regulations and laws about who can and should be paid how much and, and for what. And so you get this exploitative fractal where because the consumer wants to pay the lowest price for the thing that just barely uh, uh, barely does the job, but it doesn't, right? Because when you buy a $30 tea kettle, it breaks in a year. And when you buy a $160 tea kettle, it doesn't break for a decade. Probably. 
Okay, so so I wanted to put wrappings. So maybe that's a fundamental about the about industries, and maybe you should make enough money to pay for the things that are worthwhile, so that the companies that are doing things in a worthwhile way succeed. So that Clay in Motion making these gorgeous hand warmer mugs that actively make my life better and make the process of consuming tea better is a company that continues existing. Or maybe like like my existence, which is founded on that principle that if I produce something of value for you, you should pay me for it, and I won't make you. It's free. All of my content is essentially free, and I'm giving it to you. And if you if you like it enough, you can pay for it to make it so that I can make more of it. And you don't get anything from paying for it, really. So I, my content is my my survival is purely predicated on an agreed upon negotiated value that you think is worth it. Like what? That's that flies in the face of exploitative capitalist ideas, the exploitative ideas, the ideas that, well, no, you just produce the thing as cheaply as possible and sell it to the fools who will buy it for as cheaply as possible and exploit all of them. That process doesn't work. And I am proving every day that the other process produce things of value. And even if you're selling nothing, people will pay you for the value that you produce for free if you give Cast your bread upon the waters and it will be returned to you sevenfold, right? I've got these little nuggets of, of what I think are inf interesting information and wisdom and I put them out into the world and I'm getting paid for them and the world is organizing as though what I'm doing is worthwhile. Because I don't know if it's worthwhile until the society reflects back to me whether it's worthwhile. And my Patreon keeps going up and people keep giving me more money and people keep keep going like, well, they, they go for a dollar Patreon. And then they vote in a poll, and then they find out that the poll system works. And it's like, oh, he's going to watch the show that I want. I'll give him $5 so that I can see it a little bit early. And then it's like, oh, I'm in the Discord, and I want to stay in the Discord. And, and the Discord is cool, and you know, maybe I want a little bit of respect in the Discord. And maybe I want my name on the thing so that I can show that I'm a part of this process of, of building this thing. And, and so maybe I'll turn that $5 into the, the $15 devotee uh, 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 donation, because that's essentially a donation, right? Like, you don't get anything from it except your name at the beginning of a video. That's nothing. It, it's nothing. It's nothing. And yet people keep, keep moving in that direction. Now, people drop out of the Patreon all the time, and more have in the last month, too. There have been more people joining and more dropping out because I've made some changes, and some of the people in, in my space are not comfortable with the changes that I've made, and I... Okay. Okay. Like, I, I, of course it will be that way. I spent... Uh, a number of years of my YouTube career specifically and explicitly avoiding politics and avoiding sticking my neck out and avoiding taking the risks of saying some of the things that I really believe. And I'm not willing to do that anymore because it's a form of lying. And so I'm going to speak on those things. And a lot of people say, well, why can't you just not speak on those things and we could just talk about anime? And it's like, because anime means something about how to be. And so we need to talk about how to be because that's what we're getting to. We're, we're getting to that. We're not talking about art for the sake of art. We're talking about art for the sake of you and me and all of us because I think the answers are found here and only here. Maybe not only here. But we put leather around books and we engrave it with beauty so that the title is beautiful and beautiful fonts that are readable and beautiful. And often we'll do do intricate patterns of leather engraving and, and leather work on the, 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 the books that we think are important. And the really important books that we think are really important 
like religious texts and also like like textbooks and and precipias and stuff we'll put in in embossed engraved leather-bound text and we'll emblazon gems these like refractive things that take light and spin it into into beautiful ways like as though the book is representative of some way as as this purity thing that takes what is and alters it into a different formation and well, it takes it takes what is and it alters it into a different formation. It gives you a lens through which to see the world, and that's what religions do. They and and they are also corrupt and exploitative. But but the the faith part of it is a, a perspective on the world that's different. It's a refraction of the way you see things, and it's like well, maybe you want a little bit of that. Like, maybe you don't want the puritanism or, or the, the foolishness or the prohibitiveness of religion, but maybe the fact that, in fact, 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 known fact, historical truth, that people have been so serious about their religions or their faith in something that they've been willing to go willingly and get burned at the stake for what they believe. Or like, like Socrates had such faith in truth and honesty that he exposed his ideas or expounded upon his ideas while drinking poison hemlock to the people around him while being told by all of them you need to shut up and just not say the things that you're saying because they're too dangerous. They're too scary as ideas. And he went, no, no, that would be dishonest. I will not go away from my principles. I would rather die and you're going to force me to die than I will walk that path willingly and let let me die and and that's a more an allegorical story because well socrates is an allegorical character and while he was a real person what we know about him are not stories of socrates they're sort of the stories that that his uh uh that his disciple disciples is it aristotle or plato he's a where's the what's the lineage i forget yeah socrates was the first of the great three then came his student plato and who wrote a lot of the stuff and then aristotle was a studio student at plato's Acad academia Okay, great. So Socrates existed, but a lot of the things that we have about him are more confabulations and more stories about how to be. And I think the same is true of of um, um, Jesus Cristo, right? I think we know that there's a real there is evidence for a real person who was this person who and who was named this. The likelihood of that some of the miracles that he presented were actually literal miracles is kind of low seeing as we don't see miracles very often in the real world, but the likelihood that a bunch of people saw this person who had some stuff figured out and maybe who had traveled through Eastern nations a bunch and figured out some Taoist and like, and Confucian ideas and brought them back and, and, and maybe had some weird religious experience in the desert where he starved for a while is sort of the idea that I've got in terms of me figuring out what the fuck went on when, when that guy existed. I think it was just a person. And I think he was a person who, like many of the Old Testament and even even Islamic prophets, saw something legit, saw some patterns in the world, and probably saw it because he wandered around the desert for a while and starved. Like we get this story about him before he before he goes on his journey of gathering people and trying to align them in one direction and being like, I'm going to make you fishers of men, like like people who get other people to come along with you and and believe in something more important. You know, like I'm doing, not to say that I'm Christ reborn or something like that, but that's the idea is that every single one of us has that spirit within us and can can help and can help organize other people. It's like that's a powerful idea. But um, I think maybe before he went on that journey. Well, we know a few things about him. He was raised in a household where probably his dad wasn't his biological dad allegorically 
and yet the household worked, but the household was kind of fraught, but these were good people, but it was kind of, kind of weird. And then we know that he, like, left that area for a while, and we don't know where he was, so the presumption that he might have traveled uh, uh, across a large portion of space and seen and gotten some maybe like some Indian ideas and some Buddhist philosophies and or, or some Zen stuff or some some Taoism or something ingrained in him by these travels. And maybe he like walked around with some other people or without and saw some of the ways that other societies function, because that's a really useful thing is and it's something that we're finding out as we we become more connected is like, well, our function, our, our society doesn't function the way that theirs does, but theirs is working, too. And we can't just go to war about it because we used to just go to war about it. So what do we do? Well, we either put up walls or we figure out a way to integrate and explore and figure out what about their societies we could take and use. And we call it cultural appropriation. It's like, good. Yeah. How about we appropriate all the cultures into one culture where and I know that 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 feels monolithic and stuff. But like, what if all of our cultures could be aligned to something that transcends individual culture and is like, be good to people? That's a fundamental idea. And it's like, if you go to a couple of different powerful cultures, if you go to, to real, real, like the Chinese imperium and, and, and the way that those big states worked, and you go to the, the Japanese states and what has come out of them, and you look at their historical and theoretical and theological traditions and the, the traditions of Western Europe, where there's a lot of chaos and a lot of creativity, and a lot of the enlightenment happened there for for some some geographic and geological reasons. It's a big split up nation or big split up portion of land where a bunch of different uh, 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 ethnic and social groups grew up and then had to fight each other once they had already grown enough foundations. Like France and Britain catalyzed each other's development throughout the War of the Roses and the Hundred Years War because they were both doing these technological and, and militaristic and social and and theoretical innovations to to basically fight catholicism versus protestantism in a lot of ways and and like a whole bunch of crazy shit going down there but because of the the chaos and the conflict both societies built themselves up by pushing against each other to build into something stronger and that's part of what why those societies developed so like quickly but there are a lot of other societies like the indian societies are are serious and they work to some extent and they're also oppressive and they've got problems and maybe they could take some of the things from us that are like maybe be good to people and maybe that includes women <laughs> and that would be maybe useful right and maybe we could take some things from them like like there, there are some ideas in hindu theology of of karma and rebirth that maybe we should all be a little bit more aligned with and if we were maybe they would work and and so maybe a figure like that a, a person like that wandered around and got some of those ideas and then i have this idea that he was wandering back and he got stuck in the desert without any food for a while and started to go a little fucking crazy to have a bit of a, a psychedelic trip. Kind of like what happens in Avatar The Last Airbender when they eat the cacti, right? They eat the they eat the super zoomy cacti and they get all they get all tripped out, right? But they also sort of when you get tripped out, you start to to not see things as they are. So maybe all these un these unarticulated ideas that he'd had from traveling around the world get a little bit more articulated, and he stumbles out of the desert into his own homeland or his own societies, and he finds that they're corrupt and wrong and 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 the new ideas that he's represented are not the way that his homeland is and so he starts trying to gather people who might be able to see the way that he he wants things to be and he starts to try to convince them by talking at them <laughs> and people kill him for it eventually but he he starts to try to convince them by uh, by talking at them and well that seems like a a thing that you could do like you in the real world if you were to explore the things you don't know, and gather the information 
that is in the unknown. And part of that unknown is suffering because you're suffering in a unique and interesting way. <laughs> you know, a lot of the people in our world are suffering in the same way. And that's like poverty and anxiety and the feeling like you can't do anything. But your particular version of that is unique and interesting. And we need to figure out more about it. So if you and you need to figure out more about it so that you can stop hurting so damn much so that maybe you could you could you could get with us and we could help like we could help other people stop hurting, too. But you need to stop hurting so much so that you can you can look outside yourself, right? Because if you're just in pain, and I've experienced this as I've been in pain, the pain of everybody else seems to matter less. In fact, all the pains in your body seem to matter less when there's one pain destroying you. You can't fix all these other things because you're focused on the one thing. So maybe we could fix that one thing for you. And and if we did that, and we, I think there are ways to do that through behavior, it's behavior that fixes your brain, not the other way around. It's doing the thing that makes you have the motivation to do the thing. It's 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 behavior that, that changes the brain. It's exercising that makes you psychologically okay. It's not that you are psychologically okay, and so you're ready to go exercise. That's not That ain't it. It's that you have to do the thing before you can do the thing. And so you're, it's, it's impossible, but it isn't impossible. All it takes is for you to recognize that the only difference between now and there and is pain. Or, or what I was going to write on, on, my, on the, the bottle that I'm going to release is um, uh, the distance between now and never is pain. Or pain is the distance between now and never. And that's exactly it. That's exactly right. You do it now or you never do it. And the only reason that you're never going to do it is because you're afraid and it's going to hurt. And it is. And you're right. And it might hurt for nothing because you might fail. Okay. But we found this out yesterday. Okay. We found this out yesterday when I asked that girl out and I essentially got to know is that failing is pretty okay. It's a lot better than being in chaos and uncertainty because now I can do other stuff and my brain isn't being racked by the wonder, the, 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 hmm, maybe fail fast and somebody put a, a comment that was like that that sounds like a a principle that i heard somewhere else it's like fail fast and i was like yes it's exactly the principle fundamental to startup development is fail fast is don't sink all your time into building the idea that you think will work try it build a, a prototype try it amongst your company if it doesn't work scrap it move on to the next thing this is part of why the startup that i was a part of failed so here's here's actually i've never told this story but this is an interesting story i was working on a a streaming startup, um, which was the primary startup that I worked on in Silicon Valley. I worked at a couple of other other things, but this was the primary one, and it's the the one that I I wanted to be a part of. Um, it was founded by a Mozilla co-founder, uh, a wealthy multimillionaire, um, uh, nice guy, interesting guy, smart guy, good at good at putting people together and and figuring some stuff out. It was being run by a young UCLA uh, uh, computer science graduate who knew what he was doing in terms of coding, didn't know what he was doing in terms of leading, and didn't know what he was doing in terms of the ethical and, and fundamental underlying nature of building systems that actually function. Which I think is the core problem of most programmers in the modern day is like, and it's the core program of like Facebook, right? Facebook is a, an evil company. I'm sorry. Um, sorry, Meta. Uh, Meta's evil. Uh, and I mean that because it's fundamentally misaligned. I mean, it's it's a sinful company. It's meant to connect people. But what it does is it actually pr produces a, a hotbed for the spread of misinformation and for the, the, um, the flattening of the hierarchy of informational transfer. And Twitter is the same way. They're, they're wrong. They're fundamentally wrong. And I'm 
really interested to see what changes as Musk takes over Twitter, because that's a, a fundamental truth about our reality right now, is that the human being who has organized a, a couple of companies that seem to be doing some interesting things now owns one of our primary modes of communication, and he's going to change it. And I don't think he just purchased it because he, th he knows it's important. I think he purchased it because he knows that it's chaos and he wants to lock it into certainty and put it into a, a, a different path. And we'll see if he can do it. We'll see if, if, it'll, if it gets more corrupt. It might. It probably will. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a presupposition about it, but I, I think I understand what he's trying to accomplish. And I think the goal might be good. And he might fuck it up. So I'm, I'm watching and I'm, I'm really interested in what's going to happen there because he, it might save the world. It might save the world to have, have Twitter change a little bit. It might actually save all of us. And it might be totally the wrong thing and it might cause way more chaos and destruction than otherwise. But it might save the fucking world and that would be really interesting because it's our platform for speech. It is our... It is the place where we have gravitated is these short messages to anybody about anything, and it seems a little bit fraught. It seems there are some flaws with that system that that flatten out information transfer in a way that's really cool, but not not ideal, maybe. There was something really interesting about that here. Uh, uh, it's actually it's right here. So a company's communication structure should not mirror its organizational structure. Everybody should be able to talk to anybody is something that Catmull wrote. So Twitter enables that, right? It's anybody can talk to anybody. You can at anybody and talk to them. And that's maybe should be that way to some extent. But then like maybe it's the problem with the organizational structure and the structures of authority instead or maybe it's some balance of the two like there's something weird here there's something that's right about twitter obviously or or millions and millions of people wouldn't use it every day as the primary source of like news and knowing what's going on in the world and understanding how other people are group thinking and that's literally what hashtags are like what's important right now and so you're up with the things that are going on at least to some extent right but but maybe maybe the things that are going on should be limited and restrained in certain ways but but it's speech and it's free but maybe maybe the fact that the speech is restricted to 240 characters or whatever is wrong maybe the fact that you can filibuster in um that you can filibuster in uh uh in court or in um uh, parliamentary systems is correct like, maybe the idea that, that not everybody can talk at once is important. Maybe a limitation. Maybe it's a, a combination of opening up restrictions on speech and, like, allowing anything. Because YouTube is like that, right? YouTube allows almost anything. And a lot of the people, well, a lot of the people who censor themselves from YouTube self-censor from YouTube because they're afraid that YouTube will come after them. And so they go to platforms like BitChute. And what happens is the platforms like BitChute get uh, uh, inundated with the people who are afraid that they will be censored mostly because their ideas are shit and also inflammatory and dangerous because there are dangerous ideas dangerous ideas like uh uh here here's a dangerous idea the jews are responsible for all the evils of the world dangerous idea <laughs> causes millions of deaths proven Pro proven dangerous that's a dangerous idea so people saying that idea maybe shouldn't have a platform at all and maybe bitshoot shouldn't let them be on their platform either but they're going to feel like they're persecuted because nobody's talking to them. So I don't know. I don't have a solution for that. But there's something about the organizational structure and the uh, the informational structure. Okay. Um, 
If you don't strive to uncover what is unseen and understand its nature, you will be ill-prepared to lead. Ha! Huh. If you don't strive to under uncover what is unseen and understand its nature, you will be ill-prepared to lead. You don't know how to lead a group, is what Catmull is saying here. It's like, you're going to come in, he's, he's the CEO and co-founder of Pixar again, right? You're going to come into this situation going, I know what to do to make this company, and you're wrong. Oh, uh, uh, the program that I was working on and rapid failure. Sorry, back to a thing. I'm tangenting. That's my fault. We, we were working on a music streaming service that was a competitor to Twitch, and it's a bad idea because Twitch owns the space, essentially. Now, you could do it specifically and carefully and, and make it. We tried to do it, but we were so stuck on the idea of doing this particular thing that we didn't look at all the other ideas that we had. And eventually, our, we started to pivot. And what we started to pivot to was I had done a lot of the fundamental research and work to make WebRTC work, which is the, the main way that we transfer videos between video places and do like online video sharing. Um, it's what powers all of Omegle uh, uh, and Chatterbait and all of those things. And most of the, the pornographic um, chat industry is built on WebRTC. It's the fundamental pipeline of infrastructure that we've built on the internet for taking uh, essentially mixed media of any kind and instantly as close as we can transferring it from one screen to another screen and you can do some crazy shit with WebRTC like you can put a drawing pad on WebRTC and one person can draw and it can appear in almost real time on another person's screen and that's cool right like or people can chat at each other via a WebRTC uh, 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 tunnel uh, or, or channel or socket. And, and you just create this connection and suddenly there's this near instant connection that's verified between two people and they can send near infinite, depending on their data connection, data back and forth like video, right? And they can video chat and it's like, wow, that's powerful. And because the architecture is there and it's freeware, right? You can just build it into any website. It's way more interesting and useful to build off of something that's this open source project and is, is like part of the infrastructure than it is to build your own structured chat app, right? Or to build your own structured streaming app or to pay a particular service provider for their streaming app because WebRTC is P2P. Now, P2P doesn't work that well because you need, um, like, what if the person is way far away from you? Well, then you get an incomprehensible delay in the system and that's not okay. So our primary streaming service for, for the main program that we were working on, the music site, we were basically paying a service provider to do the streaming for us. And we weren't actually doing any of the streaming. We weren't building it off of anything interesting. So we were like, okay, I, I basically said, this isn't working. Um, and I built, I ended up building out a, it was a, a test thing that I built out that was just like, you can just sort of drop in at any time and your video is in there. And once you're in there, the chat is running and you can just have constant chat and you can share files uh, uh, constantly. And, and we were doing it. It was kind of like, well, we, we had been working using Slack as our main in-office in communications tool, and I built this thing that was just a, a, a web URL, and I hosted it on our, our hosting provider because we had hosting space. I hosted it up, and it was called... Uh, uh, we didn't have a name for it at all, but uh, uh, we ended up eventually calling it Nando, like Nano, and it was because of a chicken place that was near us, and it was, it was Nando's, and we were like, well, that actually just sounds right, and we started using it properly, and and what it was was like eight people, up to eight people could collectively drop into this this window and just be chatting with each other and, and talking and sharing files and stuff, and if that sounds like the explosive... Oh, sorry, I just ran out of disk space, which is becoming a, a, a continuous problem for me because I've got so many like things in the works that I just I need more disk space, and I don't have... The the money right now and it's a problem i need to i need to fully revamp my whole computer setup and i i really can't i don't have the money at all it's 
God, it's crazy how much stuff costs when you're you got goals and partly that drives me to make more stuff so that i have enough money to buy the stuff that i need to make better stuff ah it would be great support the patreon please i need to buy hard drives <laughs> really need to buy hard drives and i get it it seems silly because i'm like i'm buying things like this expensive this expensive tea thing but it's 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 worth it it's correct it's correct and that's as big a part of my videos as having more hard drives it really is um, and I, that's weird, but I was going to say something and I wrote it down so that I wouldn't forget it. Um, if that product that I'm talking about where you can drop in and out and like have a connection with a bunch of people and, and speak to your work fellows and, and trade items and, and share screens across stuff. If that sounds like zoom to you, you know, one of the boomingest companies in existence because of the work from home thing and the, the COVID crisis and all that jazz. Well, that's because that's kind of what we were building was like an open source distributed P2P Zoom. And here's here's the thing. Our boss, the co-founder of Mozilla guy, didn't see the utility in it. And the other thing that we were doing, the music streaming project, wasn't going profitable at all or in, in any useful direction. And we were all sort of sort of just beginning to oscillate into into focusing on this other thing that we were working on and the crazy thing was w i built it as an experiment for like oh could this work for um for what we wanted to do was have people collaborate with music across across time and space right and it's impossible to do that because of latency and delay but we got it close enough that people were kind of able to jam and immediately we held like a, a rap battle competition thing between people and they were able to jam and what we what we had was we had like a rapper on one screen and a rapper on another screen so you open the site and you pull up and there are two rappers and they can see each other right and they can see the chat in the comments and they we put a beat on and the beat is synced between them and so they trade off doing bars Right? So they have to wait for the other one to finish speaking before they can speak, but they're able to speak in the same space. And that's like, that's extrapolatable. You can take that and it's not just a rap battle, it's a debate. It's uh, it's two YouTubers talking to each other. It's like, whoa, real-time communication that, that other people are all observing. It's like, that's worthwhile. And our boss didn't see the utility of it, so he folded the company. And four years later, or whatever, five years, whatever, COVID hits. And if we had owned or had any work in any space on like a, a P2P workspace or a P2P video communications sharing thing, that would have been able to, for his, for his purposes, to sell for hundreds of millions of dollars to venture, venture capitalists easily. And instead it's folded and it's gone, it's not existent, and, and other people are moving into that space and good for them. And, and it's like the, the timing has been missed because, because... If you don't strive to uncover what is unseen and understand its nature, you will be ill-prepared to lead. And I don't mean this as shade against my boss, but in a way he was ill-prepared to lead because he couldn't see the unseen. He was so focused on this idea of this music application thing that he didn't see the utility of the thing that was self-evidently useful in front of us because I built it as this test thing for these other things and then our, we started using it instead of Slack to communicate because it was easier to drop in to just the, the bookmarked website than it was to pull up the Slack app and communicate that way.
and it was it was easier to to just pop on and and say hey guys I'm I'm gonna work from home today peace uh, uh, send me this thing and be like yeah let's drop into a one on one and you'd open up just another window of the thing and go into a one on one on one video with a uh, one of your coworkers and like yeah we'll we'll one on one on one about that graphic design let me just let me just hit you up and you're just having that one conversation and then you end it and you bring you come back to the main hole and you know it, it worked it worked and you can turn off your camera so that you're just silently there but people feel like a, the presence of other people there in their workspace even when we were working from home because we were in this partly like we would work in a co-working space and sometimes we would work from home and so it, there was this feeling of community that was re-engaged and recreated by the the site that i built by this little like test site that blossomed into this pretty cool thing and it's like, wow, I wish we had pursued that because the thing that we were actually pursuing, which didn't make enough money or or have enough interest to to really tickle the fancy of the rich guy who had the money to, to put into it and make it all happen, would have been worth billions probably. And I, I mean really, if you think about it, if we had been before market on on internet multi-streaming – Two people streaming to multiple people or or any number of people, 6, 8, 10, 12 people, all communicating and streaming to the masses. Like anybody can drop in and watch, but you have to get an invite to come and collaborate, right? Uh, imagine that for, for online intellectual debates and stuff, right? Like it, we do this stuff over Skype anyway, and these features exist in other programs, but imagine it being free and open source and drop-inable and you can just go to a website and do it the way that you can just go to YouTube and upload a video. Because YouTube is as close as we've got, but you can't YouTube live at someone who's YouTube living and both of you stream that YouTube live out to the world. You have to put some stuff into process beforehand. You can't just do it via the platform and, and like try to do it. But, um, but we could with Nando and it was kind of working and man, it would have been great if it had worked. So that Catmull idea there, if you don't strive to under uncover what is unseen and understand its nature, you'll be ill-prepared to lead. And I think it's you will be ill-prepared to exist because you are a thing that – you are soap. You are the thing that divides chaos from order or truth or or lies from truth or dirt from clean or, or whatever you – however you want to see it. You, you, we – you know – it's a it's not a universal because there are places where the binary doesn't exist and there are places where things are spectrumy, right? But even when things are spectrumy, you kind of have to decide, am I this way on the spectrum or that way on the spectrum? Like trying to figure out a, a, a truth about where you are is dividing out all of the possible places where you're not, right? So if you're on a sliding scale, I'm I think I'm on the ASD. I think I'm on the autism spectrum just a little bit. So if you're on a sliding scale from maximally autistic to minimally autistic, I'm near minimally autistic but a little bit closer toward maximally autistic and what that means is that i'm not the whole rest of the spectrum and so i've locked that in and i understand that about myself and that's the way that i am and i've divided that truth from the multiple fictional representations of myself as as totally a person who is never going to get social cues and as totally a person who's perfectly going to get social cues i'm somewhere in the middle and i'm a little bit closer to the person who can get them than the person who can't and that's useful to know about me right or or Big five trait conscientiousness, which is organizational skill and and hard work for the sake of hard work, I'm on the side of not that conscientious, and that's a good thing to know about me. And to, to lock that in is to say I'm not the per I, I know that I'm not currently the person who is innately organized. And so that that falsehood about myself is dirt that I can clean off. And I can stop 
acting as though I'm, I have to wear that around all the time, this dirty, like, cancer on me that's growing that says, well, what if you were, what if you are just the person who's capable of doing this easily? And, and it's like, well, I'm not capable of doing it easily. And so I'm going to have to cut that belief that this is, will be easy off of myself. And that's scrubbing the dirt off of myself to get down to what I am. And then once I am what I am, I can go out into the world and I can change what I am by intent. But I have to know what I am first. You have to know that you're weak in order to become strong. You got to go to the gym and get humbled. It's also, this is something that's true about Super Smash Bros. Melee, and I think it's true about fighting in general. Um, in Super Smash Bros. Melee, so it was a really popular party game for the Nintendo GameCube, the most popular game on the Nintendo GameCube, one of the most popular game consoles ever made, right? I I instrumental in the spread of gaming across the nation, and Super Smash Bros. Melee is this collab game that takes all the characters from all of the Nintendo properties and sm smashes them together and lets everybody fight in that circle. Okay, so, so lots of people bought and used and had and played Super Smash Bros. Melee, and lots of people beat their friends at the game and thought, well, in my little space, I'm pretty fucking good. So I'm going to go to a tournament and I'm going to find, I'm going to show the world. And what happened over and over and over and over and over and over. And every good smasher talks about this exact experience happening is they went to the tournament and they got smashed. They got destroyed all of their arrogance and pride because they beat the, the, the 10 people that they knew and they'd gotten good at beating the 10 people that they knew got crushed because they came up against somebody who'd beaten 10,000 people. Okay, and and what you find out when you go to a real Smash Bros. Melee tournament is that, you know, you look up at Mango and Mewtwo King and Armada and these like legendary smashers, you look up to them, but at the same time when you're looking up to them, you're like, I could do that. I could be as good as these guys. I, I just need a little bit more practice. So I'll go and I'll prove myself. Right. And what you find out is that no name Joe from Jim Bob, Mip Mip Mississippi has been playing this game since he was six and he's going to end you remorselessly. He's going to make a mockery of you. Actually, let me pull up a West Balls making a mockery of somebody video. That's perfect. That's that's a great, a great vision. You have to know that you're weak to become strong. And and this is a, an idea that the Smashers will say pretty frequently is they'll say like, well, if I hadn't, if I hadn't, uh, if I hadn't gotten destroyed, I would have never gone and tried to get better. Because getting smashed like that and finding out how weak you are, getting destroyed like that and finding out how weak you are, is the sort of thing that makes a person want to get stronger. And so it's why when, when I take people to the gym, I get them under a weight and I, I get them hurt by it. Not like hurt, hurt. But, but like, we need to add more weight until you find out how strong you're not. Because you think you're XYZ strong. And what a lot of kids do, and I see this at the gym teenagers do, is they'll come in and they'll throw one plate on the bench and they'll drop it on their chest, essentially, and their friends will go, ha, 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 you fucking suck at this, dude. And then the kid is back in two days. And he's lifting just the bar and he's struggling with it. Because he knows he's weak now. He thought he would. He would, thought he was strong. He looked at all those strong guys on the internet. He was like, "That shit's easy. I could do that." And he finds out that it's not that easy. Let me just show you West Ball's crushing somebody. Dare to shine. West Ball's Falco doesn't care about you. This is four minutes. We're gonna. We'll just talk through this. So this guy right here. This is this is Weston Dennis. His name is West Balls. He goes by West Balls. He plays Falco. He's one of the flashier, more technically skilled players in the scene. He's not considered the one of the best players really because he, he's very good. He's very, very good at this game and very technical and very, very understanding and good at reading people and good at good at tearing you apart. He's a good fighter, okay? But he's not he's not an, an intuitive genius at fighting, and that's what it takes to be the gods, to be the true top tier. He's not an intuitive genius, and he's he's too mean. <laughs> he's too mean. He's too into beating you to beat himself. 
and there's some things about his play style that are too flashy and too too much about uh, uh, doing the cool kung fu moves than they are about punching you in the fucking face really hard. And and the best players are the ones who have a balance, right? They do the kung fu to mess with you. And then they Bruce Lee fucking punch you in the face really hard, right? They, they get the balance there. So they confuse you and they fuck with your mind and then they fuck with your body, right? And that, that's what the great smashers and the great fighters do. They're playing against you. And, and to do that, they have to know themselves and their capabilities perfectly so that when they faint, they don't set themselves off balance or whatever, right? Like you don't want to open yourself up by fainting. But West Balls is too far on that side. This is, um, so this is a guy named Aether and he's pretty good at this game. And I'll bet that coming into this match, he thinks he's pretty okay at this game. But he, 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 uh... You have, like, the coach or the friend sitting next to their boy, but with Baxon sitting next to West Balls, it's actually funny because even though they team, I wonder if he wants either... Alright, so fist bump. I'm actually just going to mention this about Smash. Um, fist bumps before and after a game are a fundamental manner in the Smash community. Like, if you don't fist bump the dude you're fighting before the game for whatever reason, even if it's like, I'm a germaphobe and that really fucks with me, people give you a sidelong look. They're like, are you for real, dude? Everybody fist bumps before and after. It's to show that we're in good faith. It's like shaking hands after a fight. It's like in the UFC, they have the, the, the fighters come and like, and like shake each other's hands. And if the fighter is like, no, and he walks away or she walks away, everybody goes, <gasps> because they've broken the rules. Like, the, not the rules of the fight, but the rules that surround it. The rules of honorable combat, right? And the rules of honorable combat are, we're going to engage mutually in the, the opportunity to figure out how strong we are by competing. And one of us is going to win. And the process of that is going to mean one of us loses. And it might be me. And I don't want it to be. But I'm willing to, to enter into this agreement with you in good faith. And so we'll fist bump and we touch our bodies together to say we're in this together. Right? Like, more than we're against each other, we're in this together. We're, we, we shake hands after soccer games, and the whole squad walks by, and they shake hands. The, they shake hands after Dota matches. The whole squad walks by, and they all shake hands, and sometimes they don't. And when they don't, it's because there's more, more hatred in, in, the, in the pairing, right? There's, like, contempt there or something, and that's—you can watch the, um, the, the True Sight International series or the Red Bull video that's about uh, uh, building up— I forget which Dota team, um, um, and it goes through the ideas of, like, the betrayal that happened within their ranks that led to a lack of handshake, and everybody in the audience goes, <gasps> they didn't shake hands, or they, they gave a look to each other, and we've got it on camera, and you can see what happens between two people when one of them betrays another, or when it's perceived that way. And you can see the, the like, fury that it creates when the rules of, of how to interact are misaligned with, with uh, the way that people are actually acting. It's really interesting. But we fist bump in Melee. Everybody always, always, as a rule, what's going on there? That's cool. I haven't, I'd never thought about that for real, but that's cool. That's cool stuff. Okay, so we get into it. He's playing Link, so first of all, he's gonna get destroyed, because Fal uh, you can be a good enough Link player to, to, to play a Falco like West Balls. You can, but you need to be one of the top, like, three best Link players in the world to get anywhere near close, because his character can dance more than yours can, and essentially his character knows Kung Fu and Link doesn't. <laughs> Link, Link, Link is a white belt, and Falco is a black belt. He's just got more tools. 
right? He knows more forms and stances and moves and punches and blocks and and like and and ways to twist your body up and ways to destroy. He knows more. And the person who's piloting him, the actual black belt himself, is West Balls, and he's actually a black belt too. And he's a little flashy with it, and he's a little stupid. But when push comes to shove, he's gonna murder you. Yeah, that's a <laughs> hi. Okay, he is he is going south though. Okay. All right. He just wanted to make life difficult for Leva, who now has to change. Yeah, he has to change the the, uh, <laughs> the face to. Oh, it was already. So on he problem. just he just no, doesn't it was, it care was, about it you. It was. No, yeah, he had to change it. Oh, poor Leva. Which you know, it's 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 rough when that happens. So I want to mention there's something else that's really interesting about Smash as a, a machine, as an entity, and it's true about esports in general. There's commentary, and the commentary informs the uninformed viewer about what's going on to some extent, both about what's going on on screen and more importantly, what's going on in the minds of the characters. So the people who are talking right now, I think, are Tof and somebody else. It was. Else. It was? No, yeah, he had to change. So that's Tof and I think Prague. Um. Uh, 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 I think it's Tof and Prog, but I could be wrong. Um, I love Smash commentators. I love Tof, I love Scar, I love Prog, I love, um, um, fuck, forget Prog's main partner. Uh, uh, regardless, I, I love Smash commentators, and I think that if I were not so interested and obsessed with Smash commentary, I would not be doing what I'm doing. Because I think that they as commentators do very much the same thing that I do when I watch anime. They're watching a complicated event play out, and then they're talking about, with their own knowledge of the, the, the framework of the event, they're talking about what's going on. And it's the same as commentators over a UFC fight going, oh, what a big punch, because the audience is not actually that good at understanding what's going on 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 screen. So having some people who seem like they know what they're doing going, oh, that's a good idea right there. Oh, he's switching to this stance and he's doing this now is pretty interesting. And then what Smash commentators do is they're also like, well, this guy who's on screen named West Balls has a tendency to be like this, and and they'll let you know about the character as it's explored of the community. And so they, they bring you into the community by their commentary. And so I think I can do the same thing with anime and bring people into a certain way of viewing media via my commentary by demonstrating the way that I'm viewing the media. Because people, after they watch a few dozen MMA fights, they start echoing the things that are said about MMA fights by the commentators, and maybe that's not perfect, because they're not actually fighters and they don't actually know, but it's something. They start to, to, to understand, they get a framework at least, and it could be a wrong framework, but at least they get a framework with which to understand the media that they're compelled by, and that's correct, right? So even not understanding Super Smash Bros. Melee, partly because I'm talking about it and partly because uh, uh, Toph and uh, I think Prague are talking about it, y you can understand a little bit about what's going on here. It's a 1v1 fight. One of the guys is represented as this character Link, and one of the guys is represented as this character Falco, and they get to fight each other. And the Falco is winning, and he knows he's going to win. And how does he win? Oh, poor Leva. Which, you know, it's, it's, it's rough when that happens. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> I gotta say, this is a, definitely a much worse matchup than... So, I just want to go back a little bit. This sequence right here... It was on DKS. It was? Where he's, he's doing all these fancy things that aren't working because he's fucking with him. If West Balls was serious in this moment, West Balls would be playing really restrained and would be like moving very carefully and throwing out moves carefully because you don't want to open yourself up when you're baiting somebody, right? But he's so confident in his ability to just Shrek this guy that he doesn't care. He's just sort of, he's sort of flailing around and being like, it's like the guy in the fight who's like, come on, hit me. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, hit me. Whoa, oh, oh. Oh, 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 you're trying to hit me. Or it's like cats where they're so in control of a situation. I watched my cats uh, uh, kill a lizard. I just watched them do it. I let them do it. I watched them kill a lizard. And they, they had the lizard. They trapped it. 
and they let it stay, sit there, and they sat and they watched, and the lizard would run away, and they'd jump and they'd pounce on it and keep it there. Flack, but not hurt it. Not even a little bit. Flack, you stay right there. And then the lizard wouldn't move for a while, and they'd go, mm, and they'd pat the lizard so that it runs away, and then they'd jump on it and pounce it. And what are they doing? Well, they're practicing, right? They're exploring their ability to dance the dance of the hunter. They're like, what if it runs that way? Well, I'll be able to come after it. Ha ha. Good. And they're testing their limits, but they're confident in the game that they're testing. And so maybe that's a reason that games are useful. Because if you're testing your limits in terms of how to fight another person, maybe doing it in a video game where you don't get physically injured is better than doing it in person where you get physically injured if you're not good enough maybe an idea. Or maybe if you want to instill in yourself the idea that fighting monsters is useful, playing a game like Dark Souls is more useful than going out into the jungle and trying to fight a puma, or a, a jaguar, or whatever. Because the jaguar is probably going to actually eat you. And in Dark Souls, what happens is the the jaguars actually eat you over and over. You go and you fight a thing, you're like, I'm going to go and fight it. Oh, I got dead by the skeleton around the corner that I didn't even see. And you're like, well, now I know something more about our world. I go back to the start and I run around and I'm like, fucking skeletons around corners. And what happens is you learn a framework of behavior when you do that, which is like, I'm going to check, and Dark Souls players do this all the time, I'm going to check every single corner for a skeleton. And then they start checking every single corner for a skeleton, and the brilliant game design of Dark Souls is such that sometimes you get confirmed that there is a skeleton and sometimes you don't, and they'll leave you with enough doorways and enough hallways with no skeletons for a while that you go, you know what, I'm competent enough at this skeleton checking thing, and it's about, it's magic that Dark Souls works this way. About at the exact same time that you're like, I'm comp, I'm good enough at this skeleton checking thing. You step into a, a a hallway behind an angle that you can't see, and a skeleton goes shing and kills you. And you go, fuck, I'm not good enough. I have to keep doing it. The paranoia sinks in, and you're like, I have to maintain this habit habitual behavior of checking my fucking corners every damn time. But but that's that's it. So maybe it's good to do this in a game. But he he's. He's wrecking him, and he's playing with him like a cat. Oh, poor Leva. Which, you know, it's, it's, it's rough when that happens. Like, that, that air dodge that he does up here where he just falls down. Yeah, he had to change it. Oh, poor Leva. Which, you know, it's, it's, it's rough when that happens. If he's playing a good character, this guy is actionable then. So if he's playing a, a, a good player, that player capitalizes on that mistake and he dies for it. That's how good the punish game is in Melee at the top tier. Is like you make one mistake and you die for it because the other person is now in control of your character. It's like in a fight, you make one mistake, you get hit, you're wobbled. Suddenly the other person takes you to the end of the fight immediately because they strike at the opportunity, you're off balance, and suddenly they're in control of your body and their next hit knocks you further off balance and their next hit knocks you further off balance and you're not in control of the fight anymore and so you go from we're fighting to ah ooh, ah ah and and they win they win they won right so so again the the like hit me come on hit me is an arrogant way because that guy might not know if the person that they're saying come on hit me is actually capable of hitting them because that person might go fine you're gonna give me a free shot and they hit clock them right on the jaw and knock them out like a light right? This, this shit happens to, to people. They're like, come on, man, come on, come on, come on. Out like a light, gone. Because they didn't expect that the person that they're squaring up against knows how to throw a punch and knows where to put it. Hit me, man. Come on, come on, come on. Huh, huh. Arrogant, arrogant fool, right? So, so the way to be in a circumstance like that when you're in conflict is to take the other person pretty seriously. Because you don't know who they are or what they've got going on. And the same might go for, like, ideological conflict, and we don't take people seriously at all. 
at all when it comes to their beliefs. You know, if you're a conservative on the conservative right in America, which is fucked, by the way, and so is the conservative, uh, the, the, the liberal left, it's like, oh, the extremes are so fucked. Um, but if you're if you're a conservative and you think that all liberals are just fools who don't know what they're talking about and are just like like candy ass rich kids who don't understand their bullshit, you got something else coming because they got some ideas that are legit and they're going to kill for them. I mean, for real. They, they believe in those ideas, and I believe in some of those ideas. And the same goes for the people on the liberal left. If you come at the conservative right and you're like, all their ideas don't matter, none of their stuff is on a, a good foundation, they're going to punch you in the face too. Because their, their stuff is on a foundation, and both foundations are right, and both foundations are wrong, and it's only through the mutualistic struggle, in good faith, with a fist bump, before and after, that we figure out who's actually winning. And what you don't do is you don't do what West Balls is doing right here, which is be arrogant toward your opponent and assume that they can't hurt you, and also be mean to your opponent and crush them in a way that feels un unsportsmanlike. Just just crush them as much as they need to be crushed, man. Just get the job done. But West Balls doesn't do that. He wants to humiliate you. He wants, and he said this. He's said this on Reddit. He's said this on, on board forums. He wants to make it so that if you're not mentally strong enough to play this game you get out once you face him because if he can crush you and you still come back and he can toy with you and show you that the gap between you and him is so big that you're never gonna get through it and you still come back and try then you're worth fighting him again you're worthwhile because you kept trying and isn't that isn't that true in anime right like the the master the 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 protagonist goes up against a grand master or something and they're arrogant about it naruto goes up against the hokage to some extent or something like that like bites off more than he can chew gets beaten down and the master says stay down stay the fuck out you're not good enough to learn in my temple you're not good enough to compete you're not good enough what does the true hero do? What does Ippo do in Hajime no Ippo every time? Because he gets underestimated by his opponents every time because he's kind of a normal-looking kid. He gets underestimated. What does he do? Well, he gets up and he uses his strong foundation, his legs, which is his family, right? That's Ippo. Ippo has a single mother and he wants to protect her and that's why he works. He works because he wants to protect his single mother and that's his foundation. And it's a fucking strong foundation. So he gets up off of the ground again. And even if the master goes, you fucking idiot, I told you to stay down, he punches him, he, he gains some respect. And then bloodied and beaten like Ryuko Matoi after getting beaten down by the boxing guy, she stands back up and says, you can't take away my scissor. You can't take away my truth. I'm capable. I could do this. And Westball punches you in the face and beats you down again. And you stand back up and maybe you have to run away and regroup and you have to cry in the corner for a bit because you got beat so bad. And fair enough, maybe you got to cry that shit out and deal with it. But if you just stay crying in the corner, then he was right, actually, and you're not worthy because you're not going to put in the effort to get better. And, you, and, and the world is pain and you have to step into it willingly and consensually. And so he, he beats the cowardice out of you. Because if you come back, if you're able to recover, to rebuild yourself after having all your expectations and your ego crushed heartlessly by somebody who's so far out of your league that you can't even imagine it so far out of your league that you can't even imagine it you know it'd be like i five foot five i, I if i were like i think i'm a pretty good fighter and i tried to fight a six foot five 250 pound uh football player he would just destroy me right like reach out one hand pull my head pick me up throw me on the ground dead like destroy me you know 
and I'd realize that I'm pretty weak, and I'm already aware that I'm pretty weak, but just fundamentally, I can't make myself taller. I mean, I could get some stupid shitty surgeries on my ankles and fuck up my bone development for the rest of my life and be fucked and weird and and ruin the fact that I actually went and I measured all my proportions, and I'm I'm so close to the, the human ideal proportions, it's like, it's crazy. Not quite the ideal height. But the ideal proportions, uh, uh, Michelangelo or Da Vinci proportions, I'm I'm almost exactly it. And, and if I go through, I can figure out which musculature I should a- accentuate to get closer to it, and use that as like an underlying goal of what my body should be in terms of the the classically defined Grecian proportions. Because I'm already I already kind of have them, at least in terms of my bone lengths. It's it's really weird. My torso from shoulder to, to center of, of folding hips is exactly the same length as my as my my hip to my knee. Exactly the same. And my forearm is exactly the same length as my tibia. Uh uh like almost exactly. And and, and my um my hand is almost exactly two lengths of my foot in a way. And it's like, there are a bunch of things about my geometry that are like, wow, I'm cool. And I think they're true about a lot of people, but there's a, a wide variance. And I'm, I'm like almost right in the middle of that variance in a lot of ways. And, and, and I don't know what to, to think about that. It's like, it's kind of, it reminds me of idiocracy where, where it's like, oh, the only thing interesting about this guy is how average he is. And it's like, wow, what an interesting thing to be because the mean might be the right way. Like the average might be the closest to, to balanced in, in human, you know? And I've got some things about me that are not at all average. Like I'm, I'm way on the sliding scale in different directions on openness and conscientiousness and on IQ. I'm, I'm way on the sliding scale on IQ and I don't know really where I'm at because the test, the tests don't distinguish very well once you get over a certain degree. They just sort of distinguish that you're pretty good at test taking and I'm really good at test taking. I'm really good at understanding what a problem is and then figuring out a solution for it that works. I'm not good at certain other things, but I'm all, I'm really good at test taking and I'm really good at essays in a way that's like, again, immeasurable. I, I've never met somebody who can read as fast as I can, I don't think. And and I've never met somebody who writes essays the way that I do, where where you can give me a, a serious topic for an essay, or better yet, I can figure it out. Um, you just give me a broad, a broad thing to talk about, and I write an essay like that. Well, uh, do you know any other YouTubers who do multi-hour extemporaneous detailed value statement like essays because these are a little rambly but but uh uh effectively if i were just typing this out which i can do i could just type out my stream of consciousness for an hour and i'll get uh i can type uh, about as fast as i can speak really so i'll get uh, uh thousands of words of text and i can go through and i can do one pass of it to edit it down and it's about as good as as most academic papers that i read like about it about as good and I can hand it to a professor and they'll read it and they'll go this is some interesting shit dude a plus every time like I don't fail essays I don't get B's on essays I, I couldn't if I tried the 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 worst that I get is is professors who don't give 100% giving me a 98 that's what I get and and professors who don't give a pluses giving me an a because they're like well this is about as, clo- about as close as you could get to perfection but I don't give perfection as a grade so it's a 98 and it's like well thanks bud i appreciate that that's cool it's it's good to know that i'm on on the right path but like i'm i'm i'm, I'm a little off the scale on certain things but in terms of my physical features like 5 foot 5 is almost exactly average my this is not a thing that you need to know but 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 um my my is almost exactly average <laughs> you don't need to know that i might cut it out it's kind of cool 
so I, I kind of want to meet a, a, a you know meet a girl who's average in a bunch of ways that are accentuating the things that I'm you know that are maybe harmful and are, are further away from the average you know like a balance right where where the puzzle pieces of my existence fit into the puzzle pieces of her existence in a way like we literally fit together physically and 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 psychologically and emotionally and we actually fit right and, and figure out a, a a way to fit with that person so that we can generate a child who is closer to the ideal even than i am and and has has better traits on the things where I'm too far in the extremes that are a little bit more more normalized than even I am while maintaining the things that are like really useful so like like a really smart girl who's more conscientious than I am and less open than I am uh uh but capable of of interacting with me on an artistic level as well maybe more extroverted than I am because I'm a little more introverted so so maybe an extroverted girl who's really whip smart uh very organized and um um a little bit less willing to see open ideas might make for a baby that's balanced and that would be weird but oh god I don't even know how I got here I'm talking about some some whack shit um and, but all of it, all of it stems from this fight that's happening, and the way that the fight is happening, and uh, the way that Westballs decides to interact with this with this other person, decides to not let them into his circle because he has not proven himself. And to some extent, it's shade against his character, against Link, because Link is not a top tier character in Melee, and if you want to reach the top of Melee, you can't play Link. Now, I, I could get proven wrong. We, they could find and discover some Link tech that makes Link comparable to some of the other characters. But in general, he's slow and his options are worse. And his options come out more slowly. And they're not powerful enough to offset it. Like, in Dark Souls, you can get a big greatsword and you use the big greatsword and it's slow, but it's powerful enough that if you're careful, you can offset that, right? And the same goes for a lot of Smash characters where they're like, they're slower, but they're stronger. They're like, or, or fighting game characters, they're slower, but they're stronger. Or fighters, right? Big grapplers or, 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 or heavy, heavy head hitting heavyweight dudes are one type of fighter and the sort of light on their feet bounce around, ha da da da, ha da da da. Like a thousand punches is another type of fighter and both of them kind of work in different ways, right? But you can't play at the top tier of melee if you don't have the options if you haven't explored your martial art effectively and link hasn't explored his martial art effectively he's too bad a character he's not good enough now now again there's constant change in this because yoshi's not a good enough character either but there's a japanese guy named amsa who makes yoshi good enough and does stuff that nobody else can do with yoshi so maybe link has some possibilities in him and maybe that's the thing is to figure out you know oh everybody says that the way of being that i am isn't good enough Maybe they're right, but but maybe it's worth it for me to prove otherwise, right? And and maybe this is at the core of like the a lot of the LGBTQIA uh, plus sort of identities is like society says that we're not a, an okay way of being. Society says that that being queer is not the the way to be, or at least like certain parts of Christian or 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 certain puritanical society or or just conservative society says that that this whole swath of people who are this way are less legitimate somehow and they they seem driven and desperate and reasonably so to prove that their own existence is valid and worthwhile and that's the word that gets used is valid 
worthwhile, right? And and so there are a lot of Smash players who play lower tier characters in the hopes that they can prove that this character can still do some interesting things, even if that character is. And they they've some of them have have aligned themselves with this truth that that character is never going to be the best character in the game because Fox McCloud is the best character in the game, and then it's a little bit of a shakeup between a couple of other characters. But Fox and Falco, Marth, Sheik, Peach. Uh, Captain Falcon, Ice Climbers, uh, uh, these are, they're the best characters in the game, and there's, there are reasons for it. And some of these people realize that Kirby's never going to be that character, but they still like playing Kirby, and they want to say, it's valid for me to go to a tournament and play Kirby, and you shouldn't treat me like shit for it, because I might actually fuck your day up. And there are a number of players like this who are, they're called like low-tier heroes is what we call them. They're people who play like Donkey Kong or Bowser, mediocre characters, but they know their character well enough that if you come up against them and you underestimate them and you just go throwing a normal punch, they're so good at playing against the good characters that they know how to deal with you. So they don't have any martial art of their own, right? All they've done is study the martial art that you under, that you've studied. Right. So so it's like they've never studied any martial art. They've just studied people who've studied Taekwondo and they know that you're going to throw a front kick first. That's your first thing. And so they're ready for it because they know you better than you know yourself and they'll murk you. They'll take you to the bank. But that's not what's going on here. What we have is somebody who identifies with a character that's not good enough and who is not good enough himself to mess with somebody as experienced as West Balls. And he's going to be really cruel about that. Uh... Boom, boom. Misses this, oh does an impossible I thing. Say, this is uh, definitely a much worse matchup than uh, with DK. The funny thing is that the dynamic in Link versus DK is such that Link can actually use his projectiles to really great effect against a character like Donkey Kong, but that it's, it's completely switched up in, in Falco versus Brutal. Him, right? Because now Falco is the, oh my God, is the <laughs> character that has a He's really, just really fucking with him. Link. When Standing on one leg in a fight, just, right? Honestly, not a whole lot Link can do in the neutral game to get around it, except maybe jump over with an air, I don't know. So, so uh, uh, to some extent, what he's doing is actually he's just putting his fist out there and letting the other guy run into it. He knows what he's going to do so well that he just puts it out, and the other guy goes, ha -ha! Oh. Uh. <laughs> and it's, 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 a little, it's a little silly when you understand Melee to watch some of what he's doing. Like, he sits in the middle of the stage, and he shines a bunch of times. Ding, 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 ding. And the other guy walks up to it and tries to hit him when he's essentially invulnerable. <laughs> and the other guy tries to walk up and hit him. It's like when, you, when you're when you in a Dark Souls boss fight and you make a swing. And as soon as you make the swing, the boss starts swinging. You're like, oops, <laughs> oops, I have mistimed, clonk. <laughs> I have made a mistake. <laughs> I, have, I have done an oopsie. Yeah, and right now, it kind of looks like West Balls is still in training mode. Yeah, I think he's kind of <laughs> having fun. Uh... Yeah, he's just having fun. We're gonna have to have he's, like, he's like, fourth. he's like, I'm gonna, it's like in Street Fighter, I'm gonna Hadouken you, and I'm gonna see what you do, because you've got three options out of Hadouken, like you can crouch block it, you can jump over it, or you can like punch to punch it out of the air or something like that, I think it's those three options, you got three options when I Hadouken you, and then the last option is you get hit by it, and regardless of what option you do, I've forced you to do something, and I know all of your options off of it, and I have an answer for all of them, so I'm ready, do you have an answer for the second stage of our fight? And then they execute their answer, right? And it's like, no, you don't have an answer for the second stage of the fight. But you can see that this Aether guy is learning. So he knocks him off. He goes back to, to shining in the middle of the stage. Ding, 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 ding. And Aether tries to deal with it. He jumps and, and tries to space outside of it. With it. He's trying new things, right? He's trying to fix the problem. But yeah, it's not it's not good enough because West Balls knows better. He's like, oh, you still swung at me. I'll hit you in the face. Great. You still reacted to my Hadouken. You tried crouch blocking. And, and it, it didn't work, 
Now you're trying jumping over, but now you're in the air and I'm going to punch you. Okay, so now you've learned the next stage. What are you going to do next time that I do this? And so he's going to do it again. He'll he'll shine in the middle of the stage. Ding, 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 ding. Until he's proven, until the other guy proves that he can deal with it. Having fun. Uh... We're going to have to have Aether force him to snap out of those multi-shines. Yeah, Aether's going to have to show him, uh, look, man, I'm a player you got to respect. That's and not how... You can hear Toph and, and the other guy talking about exactly that, right? I'm going to He's going to have to show him that I'm a player that you have to respect. And he can't do it because he's not a player that West Balls has to respect. He's a child. Essentially, it's it's like it's like a the adult holding the child by the head while the child goes Rah! It's like respect me fight me fight me. It's like no buddy You're not a fighter that I have to respect I can hold you at, at arm's length and I can I can just sort of push you right and if I were to really bring myself to bear against you you would die And West Balls goes I want you to die, because if you're not strong enough to take a couple punches, you're not strong enough to become a, a world-class smasher, and that's all that matters to him. It's his value structure. How are you going to do it? All right. I think West Balls has that effect on like lesser players, yep. where he, he communicates so clearly to them that like you are beneath me, you are not worth my time, oh, I am man. not even going to look at what you're doing in the neutral game because I don't care. And it almost, you know, like like that, like what that was not a, that didn't make and any sense to, the side to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you're right. But then, you know, you're sitting here in your ether and you're like, oh my god, this guy doesn't care about me and he's still winning. What am I? And then you start doubting yourself. Yep. Brutal. You know, stuff like that happens. So brutal. You these up bees, for example, <laughs> don't really work out. <laughs> and it's just this negative feedback loop, right? Ridiculous. It's just a, a vicious cycle. West oh. Balls doesn't give you respect. I mean, it's, it's real. This is, it's really like watching... Uh, a 200-pound adult man fight a 12-year-old is is really what this looks like. Is like thwack 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 thwack. Okay, buddy. All right. Okay, buddy. Pink, pink. All right, Pat. All right. Uh, thwack. All right. I'm just gonna shove you over here, and I'm just gonna shove you over there, and you know the 12-year-old is putting their all into it. It's like ah, I'm gonna kill you. Like, ah! <laughs> and the guy's just no, 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 no. Deserve it, and, and then you continue to prove to him that you don't deserve it. And that's like the West Ball's classic, I feel like. Oh my god. See, right well, moving look, forward look while he's doing Ether, it. Ether was on the platform standing next to West Ball's just shining, and all he had to do was, like, I don't know, grab him, yeah. do anything, but he dropped off the platform and just evacuated. Scared. He's, wow. he's frozen. He's in the corner of the ring, hiding away from you. Not fighting anymore. Right? Hell, his guard isn't even up anymore. In fact, that's what's going on. The guy's gotten so desperate that his guard isn't up and he's not thinking. He's just swinging. And West Balls is eating him alive, right? Because every swing is an opportunity for him to play with you more. It's like the cat waiting for the lizard. Every time you move, the cat jumps on you, right? And if you don't move for long enough, he's going to shoot you with a laser and be like, all right, what are you going to do about it? The cat's going to go, pap, go, run, lizard. Ha 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 ha. Do what you can. Ha ha, no. Haha, <laughs> no. And then the lizard will sort of get away, and the cat would go and pick it up, and bring it back into the center of the yard, and put the lizard down, and just sit and watch. Like, yeah, there's no escape here. There's a story that I, I heard that the, um, the, the Nazis used to do the same thing in some of the concentration camps. Is you'd get off the train, and maybe you'd die on the trains there, because you, the people froze in those camps. But, by the way, uh, 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 I'll just say this, because I don't know if I've ever said it explicitly. I'm, I'm 50% Ashkenazi New York Jewish on my mother's side, so technically I'm Jewish. Um, uh, which means that I would be dead in Nazi Germany, to be, to be clear. 
uh, uh, I would be dead in a heartbeat. Um, I haven't used my birthright to travel to Israel, and I, I probably should have, but that's a mistake that I made. Um, and my family was driven out of Russia by the Cossacks, and then a large portion of my family uh, uh, escaped the, the concentration camps in Nazi Germany. Um, as Germany expanded into into uh, Poland and elsewhere, um, so there's that, and then there's the the fact that because of that, my family has done a good job of of taking me to museums and places and reading books and and looking at the Holocaust as an event. I've got a pretty good understanding of what happened there, at, at least from what is told to people and what is shown in museums. I've got a pretty good understanding of it. I've seen some horrible things, and I've I've seen them since I was a child. I'm aware of them, and they, they mean something to me because those are, to some extent, my people who were murdered. Millions of them. And, and, and there's no denying that it happened. And there's no denying the, the horrifying and, and interesting way that it happened. And we are loath to look at it. We, we as people are loath to look at it because it's really scary to look at a nation go insane. Because that's what happened. Is that, is that Germany went very sanely insane very cautiously and germanly you know germans are great mechanics they put things together a lot they turned their desires toward taking things apart and they almost managed it they almost managed it and they took apart a, a whole nation of people millions of them and they took them apart like literally disintegrated them into ash but with fire you know you you, you talk about and and torture and disintegrated them psychologically too. But one of the things they would do is after you get off the train, they would have prisoners carry like a hundred pound wet sack of salt uh, from one side of the compound to another side of the compound and then back. And there's no, there's nothing happening there. You're not carrying salt that needs to go somewhere. You're just working. You're just running. You're just, the cat is watching over you as you're the little lizard, and as soon as you try to do anything, the cat slaps you and goes, ha ha, it's all for nothing. None of it has a purpose. Active torture of the human soul. And that's kind of what West Balls is doing here, is like, nothing that you try is gonna work, kid. Give up. And what does giving up means? It's, it's lay down and die. Right? And in the Smash community, that means lay down your controller and stop playing Smash. But in the world as a whole, that means lay down and actually give up, kid. Die. Give up. Don't get back up, buddy. And the world will do that to you, but evil people will do it to you too. The good master will beat you down. And then when you get up, he will embrace you. The bad master will beat you down. And then when you get back up, he'll destroy you again. That's the bad master, and there are a lot of bad masters out there. And a lot of it has to do with how do they respond when you ask for forgiveness. And if you find somebody who responds with, with grace when you ask for forgiveness, and you, you make a conscious effort to, to improve, and you get back up after you've been beaten down, you've found a good master, and you need to follow that person. And that might be me, because that's me. I try to be that. And sometimes I fail, and I'd love if you'd tell me. And that way, it'll hurt me a little bit. And then I'll be able to get back up, because that's how I am. And that's how humans are. And the part of the getting back up is part of the truth that I've divided from the falsehoods in the dirt via my being as soap. Okay, so everything kind of comes together. Let's look at the last stock. Right now, he's not, uh, not playing nearly as solid as, as, as we saw him playing pools. West Balls is just free to do whatever he wants. Intimidation yeah. tactics, man. He's demolished him. He's psychologically gone. And you know, he's West given up. has such a ridiculous punish game that... Uh, when he gets his stuff started up, 
he just know, doesn't care. She's got him. He's got him. This is good. If you're trying to stay warm or stay collected, sometimes it's just really rattling. <laughs> He's really yeah, fucking with him. By the way for Link. Yeah, but he doesn't have the semi-spike off of his spin attack, yeah. so that's gonna hurt. Fuck. That movement is crazy. Wes, Wes is so nuts. All over him right now. <laughs> he was actually invincible right there. Yeah, he was just, what the fuck is he doing? Missing some, some he had Ariel Allant. After all that practice. Oh, he almost broke the shield too. <laughs> okay. Well, supposed without a jump. This is his opportunity to. Okay, but he can shine stall for a little while. Okay, gets him. Puts up a little bit of a fight at the end, but really, it's nothing, right? Like he's got two stocks left. Yeah, he's trying to find his footing. That's for sure. But he's also. He's starting to find his footing, but it's also the cat just waiting long enough. Or Dark Souls not putting the skeletons behind uh, behind doors or behind uh, uh, corners for a little while. Just to, to give you the... Okay, you know, maybe there is a chance. Maybe you have a shot. Hey, buddy, here's some hope. Dangle, 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 dangle. And you know what the, the Nazis did? They put up a sign that said, work will set you free. And then they made you carry bags of salt across the compound for no purpose. Because work won't set you free. And it's just like the cat with the lizard, that cruel predatory nature that's in you, and you're capable of it. That cruel predatory nature goes, little lizard, don't worry, you can run away. You can get out. Ha! <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> that's part of what Wes is doing. And part of what he's doing is also the flip side, where he's like, he, it's the, the Dark Souls character that's like, I'm competent enough at checking corners, where he's just sort of like, I'm so, so much better than this guy that I don't have to care. And then the guy starts to edge back a little bit and starts to be able to actually get some stocks off of him. And, and the thing is, Wes is confident enough that he's like, he's not afraid, but, but in some circumstances, this is exactly what happens. It happens to, to shonen protagonists all the time. The big master beats them down, and they're like, ha ha ha, I'm so good. And they turn around, and the shonen protagonist gets up and shoots them with a laser beam in the back of the head. And goes, you shouldn't have turned your back on me, buddy. You shouldn't have underestimated the person that you downed. Because that's arrogance, right? You went from confidence to arrogance. You went from, from competence to foolishness. And you're going to get shot in the back of the head if you do that. So, you know, there's that scenario that plays out here, but in this situation, like the cat, the cat is too good a hunter to let that lizard get away. There's really no chance for the lizard. In fact, at one point, after filming about five minutes, and I filmed the video of the cats, um, after about five minutes of filming it, I went over and, and I grabbed the cat and picked her up and put her elsewhere, put her away from the lizard, and gave the lizard a chance to run. And then I ran over to the lizard and I went, wah, and made the lizard run away, and the lizard ran away a little bit. And I let the cat go, and the cat went and brrr, caught the lizard again, brought the lizard back into the center of the thing, and started playing her game again. The cat's too good a hunter. The lizard had no chance. Even with even with outside help of a god, right? Like, compared to a cat, I'm a human, and I'm practically a god, right? If I wanted to, and this is a horrible thing to say, but if I wanted to, I could crush a cat with one hand. I could crush its ribs and spine. I'm strong enough to do that. Or I could throw it across the room hard enough to kill it. And I would never do those things, but I'm capable of it. And knowing that I'm capable of those things is part of what lets me interact in a, a functional and negotiable way with the cat. So that I'm not doing what Westballs does and throwing the, the, the child across the room to, to see if they're strong enough to, to get back up. Because that sort of Spartan way 
And that is the Spartan way, right? The the Spartans were all about this. They were all about like, is that child strong enough to survive on their own as a baby? If not, put him in a uh, uh, put them in an urn and roll them down a hill and let them die. Uh, uh, was the Spartan way, and what a way, right? And and what came out of that was some very strong people, but it probably wasn't right because those babies could have been the things that the Spartans needed like the philosophies that came to came to be the emblems of Athens the diametric opposite of Sparta in a lot of ways this military culture and this cultural culture that's a, a huge and interesting thing that happened in Greece with the Greece, Greek city city states is that they they were differentiated and the Spartans sort of acted like the warrior the warrior warrior peoples of Greece and when Greece was really really threatened by outside invaders it was the Spartans the the hard trained warriors who kept kept Greece alive to some extent but then it was the Athenians and the thinkers that kept Greece alive till now. Because what we remember about Greece is the stories about the Spartans, most of which were told by Athenians. Because the Athenians were into culture and writing, and writing lasts longer than warfare. But warfare protects culture, so you gotta have a balance. This. So rad. And he dies. Oh, he's good. oh uh, I'm sorry, he died. He's hanging on there. Just I, what a what a frame here. So so this is the sort of thing that you only get in melee, yeah, I think. Footing, that's for sure. Is you get so when one person person is holding the ledge, somebody else can't hold the ledge. So so, Westballs refreshes himself, grabs the ledge a bunch of times in a complicated way, and this guy manages to get his hook onto the thing because he's got a grapple. And 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 here's our here's our scenario. Westballs is in control of the stage. This guy's hanging below the ledge. This is a moment where he could let go and die. He's right near the blast zone at the bottom of the screen, and he would just die. He chooses to get back on stage anyway, because that's the good faith of our competition of melee, is even if you're down and out, you try to fight it out. You try to last until the bell rings, just like a boxing match. You try to last until the bell rings, just out of the, the hope, because magical things happen sometimes. And we've got video of some magical things happen. People who are down for the count, absolutely turning it on and switching it up and demolishing somebody else. We'll watch that video next. He's we'll watch M2K Dishizwiz versus M2K next, and and it'll be worth it. And I I, I love these Smash videos for this. I, I realize I I fucked up and I didn't put the audio for the Smash video in my last um daily brew, and I'll I'll fix that. I'll ameliorate that with this one for sure. But but I love this shit, and I think there's so much interesting stuff to be seen in these fighting games. He gets up. West Balls does this just oh fucky movement. Okay. And again, he's playing with him. He's just like, ha 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 ha. Like, he knows he could just one punch knock this guy out, but he's trying to line up the cool punch. You'll see, you'll see fighters like, um, uh, 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 Adesanya and, uh, McGregor, these, like, really skilled, intuitive fighters, some of the best in the world. They'll do this to their opponents where they know they've won the fight, but they want to win in the, the coolest way possible. And so they'll angle for it, right? And they'll try to put you in a particular corner and they'll, they'll bait you and they'll do the, like, yeah, come at me, man. And they'll try to do something flashy to, like, really show their stuff. And what they're doing is they're exploring the territory, just like the cat playing isn't isn't really trying to just show off exactly. They're trying to sh to to demonstrate to themselves that they're a good enough hunter to hunt this lizard in any situation and to practice when they can. Laser in the multi shine. It's a it's an edge guard. And what's funny is that Westworld actually looks really serious too while he's doing this. <laughs> he does. He, he wants to hit those multi shines. You know, he wants to look good for the you know for all the the. He's also, he's letting him back a bunch. He's watching at home. Okay, so you can see the, the face of this guy, Aether, as he's like... <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, there's uh, you know, five lasers off the ledge, and um, you can see he's crushed. He's got his he's got his coach next to him too. And he's talking to him, and he, he's just like, whoa. Right after that. Yeah, that's uh. Oh, it's D1. I'm sorry. I I apologize. Um, that it is it is not um, it is not uh uh to uh, it is not Prog. It's D1. So it's Prog and D1 who are one one commenting duo, and Toff and Scar uh, uh Toff and Scar uh uh Chris Tofer um are the other commenting duo and uh there are a couple of other major commenting duos in smash history and they've they're great they're fantastic um at what they do this is shiz versus m2k at rom uh 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 oh this is at rom holy shit <laughs> rom 5 no this is at revival of melee um to put this into perspective m2k was the king at this time to some extent um I keep saying to some extent too frequently. Uh, uh, he was the king at this time, and he called himself Mewtwo King for a reason, because he he identified with Mewtwo, the Pokemon, and he wanted to be a king. The best. Oh boy. Sorry, I just got uh, essentially uh, wrapped up into the, the transphobia debate around um, around Peterson again, because I don't, I don't think that he's a bigot. Like, I actually don't think that he's a bigot, and I could be wrong, and I'm willing to admit that I could be wrong, because I don't know him. I don't know his heart or soul. Or mind or anything like that, but I, I don't think it applies. And I see a lot of a lot of arguments against his statements that seem to be in bad faith. And I've I've grappled with those arguments and I've watched those videos, like really watched them and really thought about them. And I've compared the ideas that are presented and the way that they're presented and the fundamental assumptions that I can that I can grapple with that I can even understand about both both arguments. I really try to evaluate things from a, a, a more neutral perspective than I think a lot of people do. And I've come to the conclusion that a lot of the people haven't actually heard what he said and have a very specific instant reaction to it and are not capable of listening. And I think that I'm in a, a fruitless discussion with somebody in, in my YouTube comments now that, that won't go anywhere because I don't think they're capable of listening to what I'm saying. And I think they're going to see what I'm saying and they're going to go, well, that's just an extension of you being a bigot. And I'm not. I, I love people and people are people are people are people and I don't care what their sexual orientation or their identity is. It doesn't fucking matter to me. I, I, I care that they're safe. I care that they're, they're taken care of. I care that they feel like the world isn't going to destroy them. Pe people are people. I don't care anything else about them except that they're a human fucking being. So M2K thinks of himself as a king, and Shiz is kind of a homie. Kind of a homeboy. Uh, Likeable, uh, gregarious, and that's our fight. It's Falco versus Marth. This is the last set. Kind of. Shiz goes Falco. Alright, so he's playing Runaway Falco. Boom. 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 Alright. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so that's something that one of the commentators just said. Clearly, Mewtwo King wants this fight against Mango. The next person in the bracket, the next fight for Mewtwo King is Mango, and he wants it. 
he wants it. He wants to fight this guy who's better than a better than this guy that he's currently fighting to some extent. But he's like he's cocky. He's already fighting that fight. He's not fighting the guy right in front of him because the guy right in front of him isn't a top tier player. He's a uh uh uh. If if Mewtwo King is SS, Deshizwiz is S or A plus. Okay, he's not top tier, so he, Mewtwo King's not thinking about it. And Mewtwo King is a bit of a robot. He he believes that in this game, if you do the perfect thing, you win. And that's what he's believed for a long time, and so he trained really good to be really good at doing what he believes is the most optimal thing. But that's exploitable. Especially when somebody does things that you don't expect. If they bring some kung fu that you've never seen before, your optimal thing doesn't work anymore. You're in chaos now. You can hear the community, like, cheering, like, this is a fight. They're, they're cheering like this is a fight between, a fist fight. Because it is, this is a modern fist fight. So M2K starts, like, falling apart. He's losing stocks. He's, he's losing this game. He's down. He's down a full stock. And he's 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 losing his composure too, because Mutual King is known to lose his composure. And he's playing really defensive. And he's not sure what to do, because basically this guy in front of him is doing is doing chaos, right? And and the guy who's trained is like, all right, I'm waiting for the punch to come, and I don't know what's happening. What is this fucking guy doing? The Shizwiz is for real! People losing their minds. Last stock. Three stocks to one. Three lives to one, right? Huge, huge difference. Insurmountable against a player that's as good as the Shizwiz is. Honestly, he should be able to clean this up. He gets right to the edge of glory. Guy's gotta shut up. So here he is on the on the ledge. Not even grand finals, son. Mm-hmm. No Johns. Johns are excuses. Okay, so he cleans up this stock. He cleans it up. Okay. All right. It's one v two. It's one stock, two stocks. It's a little closer, but this is still insurmountable. He's at 40%, right? Uh, uh, Marth gets dead by Falco at around 80%. Like, pretty guaranteed. Falco just wins at that point. Like, they, they clash, and Marth tries to win, and, and he's too dead. Like, he's been punched too many times, and he can't get back up, right? Like, he, he fly every punch sends him further into the abyss. So Mewtwo King waits in the danger zone, because... One thing that you can say about Mewtwo King is that that position right there is his most comfortable position in the game. He is the most comfortable character on the ledge, on the place of danger, on the place that separates the abyss that you fall into and the place that is the stage where you're safe. He's really happy right on that edge.
because that edge has some benefits to it. You get invulnerability when you grab the ledge. For like a couple frames, you're invulnerable. That's enough to change everything about the game. Because when you're on the ledge, you can bring people with you. It's like standing at the, the outside of the, the sumo circle and waiting for the guy to push up against you and shoving him out and getting yourself out of the way. And that's what, that's what he does right here. He Aikido's this guy's chaos and creativity. He waits on the ledge where he's safe and danger and in danger. Spot dodge. This is exactly what it is. He waits right on the edge. This guy jumps forward. He pops up. Okay, so he pops up and he rolls up onto stage. He gets up onto stage. The guy does a, a laser. He shields it. Guy does a, another laser approaching. He shields it. Guy does a, a grab. Tries to grab him. Go for him. Punch him. He dodges it. Spot dodge. Out of the way. The guy whiffs. He completes his spot dodge. Does a roll when the, the, the Dark Souls boss is fighting. You see this in Dark Souls all the time. You roll out of the way of the combo that you know is coming. And then you go slash, slash, slash. And then you wait. And then you roll out of the way of the combo that you know is coming, and you go slash, 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 then you wait. And this is how people learn to Dark Souls. They learn to restrain, restrain themselves, and to not act until the moment that they know that they can, and then they act. That's why when you watch somebody fight the Abyss Watchers in Dark Souls 3 for the first time, they get destroyed like 30 times, and then they figure out stage 1, and then stage 2 starts, and they go, what the fuck? I have to learn this whole new thing. Okay, it's, it's perfect, it's perfect. He dodges out of the way. And suddenly, he grabs Falco, and it's a reversal. Falco is now off the stage. Bye! Bye, motherfucker! And he gets back on, he climbs back on! He's got it, he's got it, he's got it! Same situation, we're, we're on the edge. And he's got him, he's got him, and you're stuck! And this is his game now! He lands the one punch that wobbles you, and you're off your balance, and he's gonna capitalize now! Even though he's bleeding out his eyes, right, he's at 84%. Last stock is Marth, he's dead. He's gonna capitalize, he's gonna pummel you to fucking death. So that he wins this round, and he makes it to the bell where you get another stock. Okay. Boom! Done! Back to the ledge, the least safe place, the place where he's most likely to die, but so are you. And he brings you there. Come on, man, let's fight right at the edge. Right at the edge of what we're capable of. Let's go. And he invites him in, and he does the same thing again. He gets back up onto the ledge. Gets back up onto the ledge. Shields a move. Gets the grab. Tosses him off. And takes him to hell at 0%. At 0%. One mistake. He gets to the ledge. Lets him, lets him hang himself. Grabs him. And goes, you're out, buddy. Bye. And at this moment, Deshizwas has lost because Mewtwo King is in his own element now. He knows that given the position of his character and the position of your character and the amount of time that you're in hit stun, you are dead and there's nothing you can do about it. So he walk off fares off the ledge, drop down, walk off fair, hits you, knocks you too far out for you to land on Randall, uses his jump to kill you, boom, and he can still get back to fucking stage. And you're dead. And everybody loses their mind as the king proves that he's the king. That's so cool. Rad. So rad. Okay. Okay. I wanted to finish that because that seemed important. I gotta wrap this video so that I can go and do some stuff.
Thank you so much for watching this. I hope you've been enjoying these daily brews. I don't know why this one ended up being so long. I guess I just had some things that I wanted to talk about. I really thought it would end up being shorter, but but okay, cool. Um, there is what that is. I'm going to upload all of the Gundam videos today. Uh, I've got a bunch of Gundam videos that I have recorded that I haven't uploaded yet. I'm going to upload them all to YouTube. I'm going to put them up. I don't think I'm going to be able to record something else now. Uh, uh, again today, because I've already recorded a bunch of stuff, but, but I'm gonna edit, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna edit this and put it up, and I'm gonna put all of the existing Gundam videos and make thumbnails for them and put all of them up, and I'm gonna get that done before midnight. I'm gonna get that done today, and I, I made a promise that I'm gonna do it, and I promise it again. I'm going to do that today. I'm gonna do it right now. So, thank you for watching. I'll see ya tomorrow. Um, today is Friday, tomorrow's Saturday. It'll be the first weekend that I've done this, and, and hopefully I do it. It might just be, ah, but, uh, maybe it'll be something interesting. Maybe something interesting will happen tonight, because we'll, we'll have probably a get-together of some kind tonight, and that will be interesting. Um, and, and maybe there'll be things that I want to talk about tomorrow as well, and that would be really cool. And, and maybe I'll be able to sacrifice one of my weekend days to do more work that, that I know that I need to do, like watch some Gundam or watch some, some things that are important, and I, I'll, I'll work on it. I'm, I'm really trying my best to get... To get to the best content that I can make. And to build a, a process and a system that makes me make the best content that I can make. And I gotta read this book completely to do that. And, and there's only so much time to read books. And there's only so much time to spend talking about the books that I've read. And there's only so much time to sleep. And there's only so much time to eat. And I'm, I'm running out of time. And the reason is because I have a goal. And what's really crazy is that a couple years ago, I was looking for things to fill my time because I didn't have a goal. And now I have a goal and it's like, oh my god, time is the most precious resource that I have and I have to use every bit of it in, in order to get closer to my goal. Because my goal is worthwhile and my goal takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of time. And my goal is something like, prove to as many people as I can that being is good, so that they act like being is good. And then maybe being will be good. So be good. And you get to decide what that means, but decide carefully. And be good. And drink some tea. And, and hug somebody and treat yourself like somebody that you're, you're like a child that you're supposed to take care of, like a, a bit of a fool, because you're a bit of a fool. And you got to know, that's where we started this all out was West Ball is trying to humble somebody, right? You wanted to humble somebody. And, and also this idea that you need to go out there and you need to get humbled a little bit. You, you need to go and take all your arrogant notions about understanding the world and get smashed by somebody who's way smarter and way better than you. And I can't do that because I'm, I'm just here to give you things. I'm just here to give as much as I can um, and to, to sacrifice myself as much as I can to give things. And I, hopefully that, that helps. But you got to go out and get humbled and realize that you're not that smart and you're not that big and you're not that strong and you're not that creative and you're not that dedicated and your your willpower isn't that isn't shit compared to what you could be because that's the real person who you need to beat you down is you need to get a perspective from the person that you could be looking at yourself now so separate yourself from yourself so you can evaluate yourself because you can't see you while you're you so try to see yourself through other people or try to see yourself through media or try to see yourself through through separating out the still small voice of conscience that is within you and, and see what it says about you. See what it tells you. Because as we learned in, in Poon Poon, that voice that's inside your head that talks when you didn't mean for it to is, in to some extent, it's the voice of God. I don't mean God, man in the sky, I mean the conscience, consciousness that is you that you don't understand, that knows what you are better than you do. Your subconscious, your unconscious mind that is, that is compelled by certain things, right? Like, if you're compelled to make art or buy art, you cannot explain why that is. 
You could try and you'll fail. I invite you to try. Do it as an exercise. Try to try to tell me why you're compelled by art, right? Without getting to the idea that art compels you because it's true, because that's the reason. But why are you compelled by some kinds of art more than others? You don't know, but your 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 subconscious does to some extent, inarticulately. And so it pushes you in those directions. And there are reasons for, for all the things that you're pushed in directions of. Whether you're pushed in directions of hate or in directions of love. Whether you're pushed in directions of lust or in directions of peace. Uh, or, and I'm not trying to make those a dichotomy necessarily, but whatever you're pushed in the direction of, there are fundamental underlying biological, chemical, physical reasons why you are the way that you are and why you like what you like. Investigate them and try to discover them and try to try to live in unity with them. And it will make you happy. I'll leave with this last anecdote. My, my friend, my roommate, got his hair cut the other day, and he came back and he went, wow, I found out something really silly about my hair. Apparently, I've been trying to make my hair go this way my whole life, and my, my, my crown actually spirals this way, and that's part of the reason that my hair keeps being like too kinky and breaking is because I put, keep putting gel in it and, and spiking it the way that's different from my being. Right, A fundamental, biological, physical part of him that's obvious he was unaware of, and so he combed his hair the wrong direction, and it was breaking his hair, and it made him feel like his hair wasn't cool, right? He, he felt like his hair was, was broken and dry and brittle and kept breaking, and he, he, he really had a bit, of a, a bit of a psychological thing about it, like a little bit of a complex, like, damn, I wish my hair was nice. I wish I had nice hair. That would be cool. And it's because he was going against the underlying imperative of his being— and the imperative of his being was like, your hair goes to the right clockwise, and you have been putting it counterclockwise. So you've been acting counter to your own being. So maybe if you could figure out what your being is and put some labels on it, you wouldn't act counter to it. And maybe, and maybe your being is something like human. And maybe you can, you can go at the broadest scale is like human. And then maybe the broadest scale that we have is gender, right? It's like you're either... You're either one gender or another, or maybe age. It's like you're young or you're old, or you're somewhere in between. And that's the thing is that there are people who are in between, and they don't fit into those binaries, and they, they're valid too. They're valid too. And their way of being is outside of that thing, but that doesn't make it a less valid way of being, and it doesn't mean that they shouldn't pursue it, or that they should, that they should sublimate it in order to be more like the way of being that everybody else is, because maybe everybody else is wrong. Maybe everybody else is wrong, and so, so maybe you should follow your own way of being, and maybe you'll find out that your own way of being goes against the grain of the way you've been taught to do it. You know, I, I had a similar thing with my hair, because um, my dad, homophobically, and I realize this as I look back, homophobically told me, like, well, it's, it's the girly hairstyle to part it on one side, or it's the gay hairstyle to part it on one side. Kind of an extension of the idea that if you've got an earring in, in one ear versus the other, that means that you're gay, which was a real idea in like the 60s, 70s, 80s, and so it's entrenched in my father's mind, even though it's no longer true at all, right? But he instilled that in me as like, the manly way to comb your hair is this way, and it's not the way that my hair should be, and so maybe I should not be identifying with precisely the manly way. And maybe that's a wrong way of thinking about things in general. And that's useful. But but here's here's the thing. If you can label yourself and you can figure out, no, I think I am female or I am male, then you can start aligning yourself with that, right? And you can start saying like, well, I am 25. And, and that puts me not quite old, not quite young, but at least I'm more young than I'm old. And I'm aligned with that. So I'm more creative than I'm locked in. And I'm aligned with that. It's like, am I smart or am I dumb? Well, I'm pretty smart. Oh, that's pretty cool. And if you know that you're pretty smart, you can act like it and you can pursue it. And here's the, here's the magical thing is it hurts to realize that you're pretty dumb. But when dumb people are realize they get smashed by, by West balls, right? 
by the world and they realize that they're pretty dumb, they can actually live in harmony with it and just and and like look for people. And I've got a friend who's not super bright and he knows it and it, it, it hurts him. It really hurts him. But what he's learning is he's learning that he can because he's social and he's capable of of like getting people to like him and liking them genuinely back what he can do is he can surround himself with smarter people and then he doesn't need to be smart because they come and they deliver unto him the ideas that he needs in a way that's that's accessible to him and so he's capable of intaking the things that that the ideas that he can't come up with on his own and he knows he can't come up with them on his own he's capable of outsourcing them to the people around him and acting as like something useful that we don't have which is we're worse at social stuff than he is and so he acts as a bit of glue for us and we get this mutualism there and it, it wouldn't work if he were constantly trying to 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 act really smart because he would be trying to, to be a fish climbing trees and it wouldn't work. And similarly, while I can get better at being social and stuff and, and spreading ideas and turning ideas into more concise ideas that more people can manage and, and palate and eat and consume and, and incorporate, I will never be as gregarious and extroverted and social as he, he will be. And so knowing that limitation about myself and him knowing his own limitation, which hurts him, and it hurts me that I'm not as extroverted as I could be, but these things hurt hurt us. But once we overcome that hurt and we recognize, yeah, that is true about me, and 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 that is the way that it is. We can figure out ways to be in the world that are optimal for yourself. And you can't do that if you say I'm just like everybody else, because you're not, right? And 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 similarly, we we just I, I saw had a, a huge discussion that kind of blew up in my in my Discord. Is that um uh uh, uh well well women are different from men. They actually are. Bio obvious biologically to the the bare bones of their chromosomes they're different there, there's there's difference there and i don't i don't think there's any value judgment to that difference there's no better and to put things into terms of better is stupid it just is and and there that's a broad it, it, no the the statement women are different from men is not a generalization but all of the reasons for it are broad generalizations and huge spectrums and there's massive overlap and tons of blurring and so it's not quite right but it is still useful to say that women are different than, from men and if you can label yourself as one of those then you can figure out the things that might work for you in the world that have worked for other people who are like that right so, so if you figure out that you're young and not old, maybe you can figure out what works for young people. And if you can figure out that you're smart, not dumb, or dumb, not smart, you can figure out what works for dumb people and what works for smart people. And some of the things are the same things. It's like hard work. It works for both of them. Crazy. But what you turn yourself toward working on is different. Like a lot of people get the most fulfillment out of manual labor. I've got a friend who's quite smart and he works at uh, uh, his uncle's wood shop because he likes doing manual labor. It fulfills him. He knows that about himself, and so he seeks out opportunities and jobs where he gets to be active and physical and do manual labor, because he likes it. Not because it's forced upon him, but because he likes it. And people scoff at him, and they're like, why don't you just get an office job? You're smart enough. You've got the science background. You understand these things. And he goes, well, because it would kill me, because he knows that he needs to go against the grain, because he knows something about himself, because he knows that that what would work for him is that one thing, and maybe it would work for other people too, but... but Figuring out those generalizations can be useful partly to say I am that and I maybe those things would work or in the negative like well I'm not that and I need to figure out something else that'll work and I think that's happening with a lot of of queer people is they look at the, the binary they look at the men and they look at the women who are 90 plus percent of the population right 
uh, the number of people who are experiencing serious and and unresolvable gender dysphoria that resolves in a way that is not their own identity is is very small. It's a small percentage. It's growing as people become more aware of it and more capable of acting it out, and 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 it becomes more uh, uh, available and not you don't get murdered event immediately, which is nice. Um, it's growing and that's cool, but it's a very small percent. So there are people who look at that binary and they go, I'm not that. Because that's not that's not me, and I'm not that. Because that's not me. So maybe I'm somewhere in the middle, or maybe I'm somewhere on outside of the field of expectation. Maybe I'm a weird anomaly, and you're not that weird an anomaly because you're still human, and people are people are people are people. But maybe you can figure out a new way of being, and maybe that would be a useful thing to to extrapolate ways of being to for all of the men and all of the women who aren't sure about anything, because <laughs> none of us are sure about anything. So fuck, I, I don't mean for this to get spirally out of control but i'm trying to wrap this thing in a useful way and it's like maybe figure out some of the things that you are and 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 let those determine what you want to be and and determine it negatively and positively the things that you are that you want to continue being you know if, if you got an artistic streak pursue it if you're compelled by by speech pursue it if you're compelled by writing and literature pursue it if you're compelled by science and arithmetic pursue it if you're compelled by computing and and technology pursue it pursue the things that compel you find out what they are first experiment with enough stuff so that you know don't assume that the things that are compelling to everybody else will be compelling to you and find the things that are not compelling to you and get rid of them choose say that they're dirt become soap for yourself and clean yourself your soul your your being remove the things that don't work for you and aren't aligned with the way that you already are Clean them off. You don't need them. Get naked, get honest, like Ryuko Matoi, and clean yourself up. Clean yourself up of all the lies that you tell yourself about who you are and what you're supposed to be, and dig down and dig through your damn skin to find out that underneath the surface we're all kind of the same, and you can you can revel in that, because that means that you don't have to figure out everything on your own. Some people have figured out some parts of how to be before you, because this is an ongoing problem and you're not the first one to try to solve it. There have been billions of people before you, and all of them have done their best to solve it, and some of them have done an okay job. And you can learn from them, stand on their shoulders, and do a better job, and you can make a world where your children or the children of the people around you, whether whether you want to have kids or not, and I recommend, I think, I think I'm on the, I'm on the page where I think having kids is good, because being is good, but, but whether you want to have kids or not, I don't, I'm not here to convince you of that, but make a world where when there are kids, because there will be kids regardless of what you do, unless you go out killing kids, by the way, and some people are doing that, and that's not okay, but there will be kids, maybe make a world where they can be with less harm as well, and maybe figuring out the way that the world is and the way that people are is useful. And maybe stories and science are the combined way of doing that. Stories tell the ethereal about what we are, and science tells the physical about what we are. And and somehow in the interim, we can discover a way to bridge the gap between how we are and how we wish we could be. And and maybe that that place where we wish we could be would be a world with less pain. And maybe we should aim for that. Thank you for watching. See you tomorrow. Peace, and I mean it.